Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So you go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary and every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash bpshow. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And good morning. This is The Bill Press Show. I am not Bill Press, though. My name is Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor at Roll Call, and I'm standing, actually, I'm sitting, I guess, in the chair for Bill on, on this Friday. Bill, we don't know where he is. He hasn't called in. They just called me like real, real quickly. Luckily, I was up at four o'clock in the morning. And Thank ready you for that. <laughs> no problem. Thank Peter. you for that. By the way, I mean, you, you and I normally have our four a.m. call right, every day right, just right. to check in on each other, uh, and just we were lucky enough to be able to get you right. in here this morning. Yes, and and just just to not set off any alarm bells. Of course, we're kidding. Uh, Bill is asleep probably yeah. right now. <laughs> he's, right, just, right, right. he's just he's just taking it a little easy, giving uh, giving the rest of us a chance to uh, run the show and wreck things a little bit. Uh, but uh, we, we do have a very nice show, uh, I, I, if I do say so myself. Uh, Peter and I are going to talk about uh, alcohol use and yes. so forth in, in his hometown and other towns in the South a little later. Uh, and then Brandon hey, Weatherby. I've been drunk in a lot of towns <laughs> in the South, Jason. <laughs> I consider myself well, an expert. We'll, we'll narrow it down a little really. bit. L- luckily <laughs> for us, it's an expansive view of, of uh, some of these things in this that we're going to talk about. Uh, later on, we'll have Brandon Weatherby, the managing editor of Brightest Young Things and also the host of You, Me, Them, Everybody. We're going to talk about uh, a, a killer show that he has coming on soon uh, in in the next weekend. And then after that, Alexandra Petri uh, at the Washington Post. And we're going to round it all off with our senior Georgia correspondent, Clyde McGrady, who will talk about football and politics. Two things that the South knows just a little about. Uh, but first, we're going to do the full court press. This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. You just mentioned the Super Bowl. Let's give you some quick facts because it is coming up on Sunday. The New England Patriots versus the Los Angeles Rams. It's happening in Atlanta, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, aren't, you, aren't they all Mercedes-Benz Stadium? I was going to say, they're all, like, <laughs> it's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. It's the Mercedes-Benz, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, not, my backyard is is open for sponsorship. It could be the Mercedes Benz backyard, <laughs> the Mercedes Benz uh, fire pit back there. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, I, I'm not going to watch the game. I just want to be very clear. I'm not going to watch the game. Uh, I don't care about the Patriots. I don't care about the Rams. I don't care much about the NFL. And I definitely don't care about the halftime show, which will be Maroon Five. Maroon Five. <laughs> you know, when I think of Smash Mouth American football, I think boy bands. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna watch that. We'll just pl- we'll just play the uh, some some of their uh, best hits a little bit later on in the show. Yeah, d- totally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jason, are you a Facebook guy? Do you use Facebook? Uh, you know, every once in a while, my mother will send me something on Messenger, but that's about the only time. Yeah. And then when I shamelessly plug my stuff for roll call on Facebook. Yeah, totally. I get I get that. But a lot of people are taking breaks from Facebook. Not only taking breaks, they're just quitting it outright. Well, the new study actually took a look to see what sort of impact that has on your mental health. And it turns out it's pretty good, actually. <laughs> it's not so bad. A major new study took a look at a bunch of people who gave up who used facebook religiously and then gave gave it up for a year so what happens when you quit well uh you get more in-person time with your friends and family they say that you do get less political knowledge but it's you there's less partisan fever Mm -hmm. around the uh, political knowledge that you do get they say that your daily mood and life satisfaction goes up uh and uh, you get an extra hour of di- hour every day of downtime. You that, think about an hour a day on Facebook? I, I, I mean, I don't, I never, I don't think I ever spent that much time on Facebook. No, uh, but, but I will. I am amazed at how many people, even at work, still, you know, will have something like Facebook or tw- you know, on Twitter, you can do a little bit of your job too. But sure. I mean, yesterday I I was at a, a, a training thing for my work, and I I put my phone away as part of the deal. And I felt, even though I was in a leadership training thing, which is usually not the most compelling way to spend a day, yeah. I felt so relaxed because I hadn't been checking like my social media feeds or my email or Slack or any of that stuff. It's not the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> it really to, isn't. To, to like take your, remove yourself from that. And they talk to a lot of people from diff- all different ages, right? College students to older people. Uh, is this just Facebook or is this other social media? This was as well? just Facebook okay. specifically. Just Facebook, Facebook specifically. Hmm. This is the Bill Press Show. We are back, and thank you for joining us this morning, this Friday morning. Uh, it is it is cold in D.C., but it is not that cold. It's not Chicago kind of cold or Minneapolis kind of cold. It's uh, it's 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 uh, what you'd expect in February. It sucks, but it's not uh, going to kill us. I don't think uh, nothing is frozen over. Um, one thing that also does not seem to be heating up uh, all that much are negotiations between the president uh, and Congress over border security. I, I mean, man, you know, I, I love a good segue. Jason. I, I, they, that was so well done. That's, that's what I do. Did I you mean, stretch before you did that? I, I, I don't did. Want you to pull I, a hammy. I, I, I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I felt I, I felt pretty good about that one. Good. You, know? yeah, you should. <laughs> you should take a little victory lap. Uh, but you know, th- this is. Uh, we're, we've got a, a little bit more to talk about with the president in Congress, but like just to sort of lay a marker, we are two weeks uh, before the next you know piece of legislation that funds the government expires. So we, we've got two more weeks uh, before we're in another shutdown. So anytime now, CNN will put up another shutdown clock. We're, we're guessing, uh, but we're, we're we're two weeks away, and the. The talks seem to to sort of digress a little bit. Uh, yesterday, the 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 Speaker of the House sort of doubled down on her on her suggestion that she would not, uh, you know, even provide a dollar uh, for for a wall. 
Uh, and the president said that uh, the Republicans and the Democrats were just wasting his time unless there was going to be a wall. And one very significant thing, apparently what's out now, he's not going back to artistically designed steel slats. It's now just a wall, 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 wall. And so, you know, this is kind of kind of interesting, right? I mean, we're we're kind of where we were a, w- a little bit over a week ago, which is like, oh, boy, what's going to happen now? <laughs> we're kind of where we were years ago, right, where he's demanding a wall and we don't really see a way to get it done. And they, I mean, they had a supermajority for two years and they didn't get a wall. Right. So why in the hell do we think that it's going to happen now? Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering also if if Pelosi smells blood, you know, in, in the water and is, and is just going for the kill now. Yes, because, the answer is yes. Yeah, because, you know, uh, you know, before the end of the year, you know, Democrats were ready to support, uh, you know, a funding package that provided about one point three billion dollars for a artistically designed set of steel slats uh, in, in in parts of, of the border. And uh, and, you know, the president wanted uh, five billion. He he has since gone up to five point seven, and Pelosi's gone down to I guess nine. I guess she would do ninety nine cents. She said she said it wouldn't be a dollar, <laughs> but she, it'd be a ninety nine cent store purchase. It's a fire sale right. now. Um, and and I I remember you know a, a couple of months ago Jennifer Shutt, our CQ's uh, uh the one of their appropriations reporters and my colleague at CQ roll call she was saying you know the the amount of money that they had already proposed for the coming year was $3.4 billion. And so the difference was 3.4 or 5. And she said, you know, it seems like we are heading towards a shutdown that is going to, you know, from, you know, going to be over $1.6 billion. And she just sort of shook her head. And here we are. I have to interrupt you for just a second. Yes. It's a totally different tangent, but we just got some breaking news, and I have to mention it. Excellent. I love breaking news. I love tangents, too. We have a new candidate for the Democratic nomination, Cory it- Booker. Oh, Cory Booker just Corey. announced that he's running for president. This makes him the second African-American and fourth senator to join the Democratic field. He's 49 years old. He says he wants to run on a message of unity and love. And he says he wants to work across party lines. Just had, it just broke. I had to throw it in. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Uh, no, no. I love unity and love. Oh, who you doesn't know, love I mean, unity and love? So, I mean, what what is also significant about this? I mean, let's 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 make it really about about us. I mean, this is another Gen Xer who's running for president. Yeah, I mean that's, that's right. That's significant because you know we went from like a kind of sort of baby boomer Gen Xer and Obama to. Back to the baby boom <laughs> with, yeah. with both Hillary Clinton and and Donald Trump. Um, what do you think of the chances? I mean, he's a you know, he he's a he is a lovey dovey guy. I mean, he is a like run into a burning building kind of guy. He actually did that. He, when actually he was did mayor, that. Yeah. mayor of Newark. He like ran in, you know, ignoring his security detail, like suffered smoke inhalation to to rescue some people he's in a burning building in trees Newark. multiple right. times. He's like he's yeah, he's he's like a uh Cape Crusader that way, right? Um, what do I think his chances are? Well, actually, not, not chances. Let's let's before we get to the chances. Yeah. Before our uh, one of our colleagues in the press, uh, Ben Terrace, uh, he, he uh, calls it pundititis. Before we get into <laughs> yeah. judging whether whether he has <laughs> yeah. a chance with our vast political knowledge, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and political handicapping. Before we get into that, um, what do we just think of Booker? What do we, the royal we? 
What do you what do you think of Booker as a senator, as a as a you know as a lawmaker, as a political figure, and as a potential candidate? What does he bring to the What does he bring to the table? I'm not sure, and I don't think that's a good thing either. When I think of Cory Booker, I kind of think of an empty suit a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's done some good stuff. He's Spartacus. Uh, he uh yeah yeah he 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 took a very sort of progressive uh stand after Donald Trump was elected mm-hmm. uh emphasis on after Donald Trump was elected I don't think right. he was a great progressive uh politician before Donald He's Trump He's a was big elected. fan of charter schools as my mother the would point out charter school stuff uh, in, in really York. bothers me uh-huh. really really bothers me and I think that is a a real problem in this country um he's also got a lot of Wall Street ties and that's part of it is geogra- geography Mm-hmm. I get that. I understand that if you want to be uh, uh, an elected official in New York, New Jersey, you, you're going to have a lot of ties to Wall Street. You're right. just going to. Uh, this will be a good test to see if the American people actually care about it. Um, am I super excited to see him get in the race? Sure. I think that the Democrats should have as many people running in the primary as they could possibly handle. You're getting your wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we actually yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I'm 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 getting a little concerned that if we have a few more enter the race, uh, the fire marshals might get concerned about whatever <laughs> they have the debate. They're going right. to need like they're going to need a Mercedes Benz Stadium, you know, in order to have a, yeah, a debate. The debate. No, I look. I, I more power to him. I'm glad he's running. Everybody get in the race. Come on in. You the sound really fine. enthusiastic. <laughs> I, he doesn't really move the needle much for me, man. I just. I'm all about unity and love. Uh-huh. I am. That is not exactly what I'm looking for out of my president right now. Right now, and I, I will. I, I should have explained the Spartacus uh, comment during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings uh, when Brett Kavanaugh was uh, his uh, confirmation to the Supreme Court was being examined by the Senate Judiciary Committee. Cory Booker, who is on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, he he took some information that the, it was supposed to be only for committee the committee itself and released it, and you know the 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 uh, thought you know the the he was quoted as saying I am I am yeah, Spartacus I am here Spartacus. you know like because we're gonna we're gonna share this. By the way, I think that's the <laughs> one of the best things he's ever done. Mm-hmm. I look, we we live in not normal times. We have to resort to not normal tactics. Uh, so kudos to him for that. Truly, didn't do much. But that's okay. I mean, I, th- th- that's not the point. Uh, I, I remember watching his uh, speech uh, at the convention in 2016 and, walking, yeah. and yeah. walking away thoroughly underwhelmed. Thoroughly mm-hmm. underwhelmed. And I think, you know, hope and love and unity and all of that is great. Uh, that's not what politics are. Right. It's just not. So... Good luck, Senator. <laughs> Good luck. What, I mean, and, and by the way, I can be convinced. I right. haven't made up my mind on who I'm going to vote for. I have no idea. Like in the Democratic primary, which I will be voting in, I have no idea who I'm going to vote for at this point. I'm just going to let them play it out. You should start what... studying because there are a lot of people. In yeah. There's, I mean, by, by the time you're you're a Maryland voter. I am a Maryland um, voter. So that's that's a March primary. You have. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So you have 13 months. Okay. <laughs> Just enough time, <laughs> just actually. Enough time just enough to read time. the biographies, yeah. the the mini biographies uh, that uh, say uh, CQ and roll call could uh, provide, perhaps. But you, you know, know, look, I mean, in, in this 2020 primary, especially for the Democrats, a lot of them are having to rewrite their histories, right? Uh, either rewrite their histories or uh, 
uh, create a new history uh, and and say this is how they've changed or this is how they've evolved. And by the way, I get that. Like times are different. Times have changed. I totally get it. You know. Uh, I mean, Donald Trump certainly rewrote his own history. I mean, he's already Democrat, it five Reform times Party, Republican. <laughs> you know, like he rewrites his history on an hourly basis. So, uh, so running through some of the Democrats. I mean, like in 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 the Senate Judiciary Committee, Cory Booker sits right next to Kamala Harris, and she you know announced her run uh, last week. Um, she, as, as you said, you know, you, you have to sort of reframe sort of who you are. There were already some concerns that, um, you know, she's a cop. <laughs> she's a, I mean, that, that used to be, a, you know, a, a relatively positive, uh, profile for, I mean, a, a friend of mine who I used to work with said like, that's the ideal candidate profile is woman crime fighter. I mean, sure. it, it, I mean like, because it, it, it's somebody who is, you know, can, can rack up, you know, um, like some, some good vibes among the law and order crowd at the same time appealing to a, a larger part of the electorate in women. Um, Amy Klobuchar, possible, uh, likely presidential candidate, same thing. She was district attorney in Hennepin County uh, in in Minneapolis. Uh, but I, I just wonder, I mean, at what point do you get a little overwhelmed by this? I mean, like, there, you know, we had there were 17 Republicans running in 2016 and we ended up with Donald Trump. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Uh, look, every single Democrat that has um, been rumored to run for president or has already announced they've run for president has a problem with Democratic voters. Mm-hmm. They just do. Every single one of them, right? Whether it's Bernie Sanders, or Joe Biden, or Kamala Harris, or uh, uh, any of them. Right. Any of them. And Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi, mm-hmm. Tulsi Gabbard. Jesus. I Eric Swalwell. <laughs> She's got a lot of problems. John Delaney. Remember him? He's probably used to be your congressman. It's true. Right. Yeah. He's still running. Yeah. He's, he's still out there. First one in the race. America, you may have forgotten of him, but you know what? People in Iowa haven't forgotten him. First one in the race? Might be the first one out. <laughs> uh, but, but they all are going to have to answer for some problems, right? And like, you know, uh, on the police and justice reform stuff. I think you look at Joe Biden with the crime bill and Kamala Harris, who, who was a cop, um, and and you mentioned Amy Klobuchar. Uh, I think a lot of them who have been politicians, especially during the 80s and 90s, they're going to have to reckon with that stuff yeah. because as a whole, the temperature in America was very pro-cop right. and very pro-lock them up. Because we're in the middle of the crack epidemic. Yeah. And... Yeah. And in hindsight not a good look no, no. really not a good look but look there are ways to evolve on this stuff one one uh you know one Bar- name with i think of barack obama who right. was famously anti-gay marriage and right. was against gay marriage and then now and joe he, biden pushed him and joe <laughs> like, biden forced him yeah. to evolve <laughs> uh but like barack obama is now sort of a hero to lgbtq uh, communities mm-hmm. because he did more to advance their cause of equality uh, than any other president uh, that we've ever seen. And so he evolved and he did it in a way that was effective. You could do that. Yeah. You could do that. What one one name um and it's and it's actually my favorite name in the entire field is John Hickenlooper. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean just the name itself. Yeah. I mean President Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper. <laughs> uh really rolls off the tongue. What what would be his big drawback? What would be the problem that he would have uh as as a uh as as a candidate? Uh, I mean he he oversaw you know, the implementation of a very pro-marijuana state, like a, 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 the sort of the gray market. Uh, the, Colorado is arguably yeah. the most successful uh, in implementing, you know, this kind of 
weird, like we're not violating federal law. We have our own laws. Please leave us alone, and we'll try to figure out the bank thing later. But I mean, he, you know, he was he left as a fairly, you know, popular governor, uh, and he also like started a brewery. Well, the, the, you know, so he's got beer and pot. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, what what Two what could possibly things. go wrong? You know, oh, he's a white guy. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but you know, on that, you know, he was not always a, a pro marijuana. He right. he actually fought it, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people pointed out that he had a lot of ties to the craft beer and beer industry, which is. Colorado, right? They, they, they're known for great beer and great weed, uh, among them. There's room for both. There's room for both. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but he evolved on that, and he turned it into a huge boon for his state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's faced that down. I can't think of really. I don't even know what some of his other issues are. I mean, he could come out and convince me, but I do know that that's one of the things that he did change his uh, his his path on. And, He's, and he said nice point. things about John Kasich on the uh, Republican side. There's even there was even a, a, a little yeah a little Can't little yeah a little you know talk about a unity ticket with Kasich and Hickenlooper. You know, oh, uh, man. Uh, get out of here, get out of town, get out of town. Uh, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. If he was ever serious about that, that's a non-starter for me. So. So he's got that going against him. Yeah, playing nice with Republicans also kind of a non-starter for me. <laughs> do you th- and do you think that that? I mean, is 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 there just no room for somebody who isn't a kind of a partisan warrior? This is your thing with with Booker. Yeah, you know, th- there was a clip we we played uh, either earlier this week or last week, and it was Joe Biden, and he was defending that he said, you know, hey, I I like some Republicans. Um. And I, I look, I get that that's like a throwback to the old days and, you know, uh, Democrats and Republicans used to fight tooth and nail on the floor and then go get drinks together. Right. This has been said over and over and over again. Those days are gone. I mean, we just have to recognize that those days mm-hmm. are gone. And uh, I can't think of one Republican politician that I would actually really want to go out and get a beer with because every single one of them have in some ways carried water for terrible, inhumane, awful policy. That's just my take. So I think that like that ship has sailed. And one of the things I, I think uh, in the context of this Biden, you know, quote, like saying nice things about Republicans, I mean, he was also very specifically criticized for for supporting Fred Upton, yeah, uh, Republican from Michigan, yeah, uh, who you know ended up winning only by about four and a half points, and you know Upton is one of those members who's very serious and gets along with people on, on both sides of the aisle and, and is a moderate, and he always seems to evade the you know kind of any kind of partisan wave, and yeah. and I think that I mean he'll he'll probably uh, be a, a Democratic target again, and I wonder if some of the Democratic infrastructure. Is going to be a little less enthusiastic about, uh, you know, um, helping out Biden yeah. uh, be- because of that. I mean, I don't think that that's the kind of thing that would sink Joe Biden's like candidacy. I think I, there's some other issues there too. I, I think that's right, but I think we're in a point now that if you support anybody other than a progressive, uh, and you call yourself a Democrat, um, you're not doing the right thing. You're just not doing the right thing. I mean, it, it really is the party. Above all else, right? Uh, I'm sure Fred Upton's a nice guy. Uh, I'm sure he's, you know, done some good stuff somewhere along the line. But I'd, I'd look at his voting record and say, like, he's also upheld some very terrible and voted for some very terrible policies if you consider yourself to be uh, a progressive. So, you know, I, again, I, I just think that those days are long gone. 
Those days are long gone. There's, there cannot be any room for a Democratic presidential candidate to say, hey, I like some of these Republicans. I want to I work with these guys. No, there are no Republicans out there <laughs> that are running and saying, oh, just I, these Democrats are so nice. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, what a breath of fresh air she is. <laughs> Isn't it nice? I can't wait to work with her on some legislation. That just doesn't happen. But I, I wonder, is this the sort of thing that gives somebody like Howard Schultz like you know his his criticism like the the fuel for his criticism that we we have to be able to like figure out some way of working on solutions together because just you know having having somebody in power and then they implement they strong on their policies and then the next party comes in and they tear it down and I mean it's just like it becomes a somewhat of a vicious cycle you know I mean I think I, I think there's that's a valid point yeah. I think that's a valid point and, I, and and look I wouldn't mind seeing the temperature come down a little bit. Uh, on on both sides, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but it's not happening. It's just not happening. Right. Uh, Howard Schultz does have the ability to unite people. Um, he's convinced America that we need to pay six dollars for coffee that tastes like a cigarette butt. Uh, you think it tastes that good? <laughs> <laughs> that's a little generous. Maybe that you're right. That's a little generous. Um, so I mean. Th- I I have yet to find one person. People are he Howard Schultz has like eleven tweets or ten tweets, and every single one of them have been ratioed. Uh, like he's on a streak, mm-hmm. right? Like he he's like he's got like, you know, just like forty more before he beats Joe DiMaggio <laughs> on 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 a streak of 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 tweets that will not of, of, that are constantly being ratioed uh-huh. uh and none of them are positive i haven't talked to one person who thinks howard schultz is running for president is a good idea i haven't seen it online i haven't seen anything other than the people that are getting paid by him like steve schmidt and and uh bill burton so uh, and we, we are gonna we're gonna have a a, a generous helping of uh of 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 Howard Schultz, uh, I'm I'm actually curious uh, what Brandon thinks about him from a couple of different angles uh, when we get Brandon here in here in in a, in a little while, and then Alexandra Petri will we, she has her own unique uh, uh, take on on Howard Schultz. Uh, but before before we go to the next segment, though, we uh, we were talking a little bit uh, the, the the this week in addition to just the border security stuff and so forth, and Howard Schultz and his rollout of his campaign kind of book tour whatever. Um, there's this thing with the Intel chiefs, right? Like earlier this week, we had the worldwide threats uh, assessment. This is a regular thing, you know, that the, the uh, intelligence chiefs of the United States come and they brief the, uh, the the intelligence committees both, you know, in public and then they go behind closed doors for a classified briefing. And they, they basically they contradicted the president of the United States. They said that ISIS was not defeated. It was degraded, but they were concerned about uh, it, it, its remaining strength in Syria, especially if we pull our troops out. I just uh, want to play one, yeah. one clip from that with the yeah. Intel Chiefs, but we played this. This is very, very uh, 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 clear Sober. what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, and this is Dan Coates, the Director of National Intelligence. Dan Coates talking about North Korea. We currently assess that North Korea will seek to retain its WMD capabilities and is unlikely to completely give up its nuclear weapons and production capabilities because its leaders ultimately view nuclear weapons as critical to regime survival. So he says they're never... (laughs) Never giving them up. Giving up their nukes. Never. And he also said that Iran is not pursuing a nuclear weapon. And also, I mean, I I will point out, too, that Dan Coates is not some, like, pinko 
Democratic like commie from Yale or something like that. I mean, he's he's a Republican <laughs> appointed by a Republican, former Republican senator, former ambassador to Germany. Uh, and he says it nuclear. You know, I mean, he's, he even says it in Republican. You know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And 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 every, and then. Trump just went bananas about this. I mean, he just told them like, they needed to go back to school. Yeah, intelligence goes back to school. And right. in the tweet where he told them to go back to school, he misspelled the word there. He spelled he meant to spell like <laughs> their knowledge, and he spelled it T H E R E. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. And the tweet that he ridicules right. them and tells them they need to go back to school, he misspelled a very basic word. And so, and so, people are like, "Oh, wow, this is like not good because one." I mean, you really, you rarely see the president weigh in on <laughs> the intelligence chiefs like briefing uh, in in a in such a public manner. And also, like, I mean, are these the people you want to piss off? Like, I mean, I mean, Gina Haspel, you know, ran like the the off off the books like torture centers and in, in like <laughs> that the CIA used to interrogate people. Uh, she just doesn't seem to me like somebody you want to anger or contradict, no. like because she's no. not she's not going to get upset. You Let's know, talk about the history of right. the CIA. Yeah, she's not uh, going to tweet back at the president. <laughs> right. She's going to find some like you know other way to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, and she has the means to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the CIA has a long history of. Um, Regime doing, change. Yeah, yeah. Doing <laughs> things that could be very, very bad right. to a president. It's it's called wet work and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> right. for a reason. Uh and then and then we have this so, you know, day two story is, you know, Trump and Intel Chiefs not on the same page. And then day three story, uh, yesterday was that uh, you know, they, they went there kind of uh, kind of like I guess the the Russian ambassador, you know, the Russian foreign minister going and just telling him like, no, it's fine, you know, or or even Putin just telling him like, no, no, that's not what that's not what we said. These aren't the droids you're looking for, Donald. Right, Mr. President, did you talk to your intelligence chiefs today about the displeasure you had with their testimony? I did, to and they uh, said that they were totally misquoted and they were totally uh, it was taken out of context. So what I do is I'd suggest that you call them. Uh, they said it was fake news. So. Which, frankly, didn't surprise me. Excuse me. Excuse me. It didn't surprise me at all. Just, just, just call Gina Haspel at the CIA. Uh, Folks, give him a call. Just, just give him a call. I mean, I will say this. The CIA, Director of National Intelligence, they're so good about getting back to you. It's like... I mean, it's better than like the you know Chase Rapid Rewards program. Yeah, right. I mean, they're they're just right on it. I mean, like they're there to serve. <laughs> Wait, this is. Do uh, you remember when Trump gave out Lindsey Graham's cell phone number? Yes. He should have just given out Gina Haspel's number. Folks, just yeah. give her a call. Just give her. She a could call. clear all this up. She was taken out of context. We watched it live on TV. <laughs> we watched her say the words. It wasn't like someone cherry picked these statements. And I and I wonder. I mean, again, it's not. It's never a good idea to try to look into and guess what's in the mind of Donald Trump, whether this is a face-saving thing or whether Gina Haspel and Dan Coats went in and just said, like, no, Mr. President, that's not what we said. Right. And he's like, well, of course it isn't. Like, of course I'm right. He's like, yes, you're right, Mr. President. I mean, these are spies. They know how to manipulate you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even someone like the President of the United States. <laughs> All right. I'm glad we got that all cleared up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, we are going to be right back with Brandon Weatherby, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show.
We are back. I'm Jason Dick. Not Bill Press, but Jason Dick. Bill is, I don't know, hopefully he's just sleeping in. You know, sleeping in, sleeping it off, whatever. You know, <laughs> we're, we have open minds here. Uh, I'm joined in this half hour by my friend Brandon Weatherby, who is rapidly, I think I think we can call you a friend of the show now, right? I hope. Or is that, or, or is only that something that Bill can do? Is that... Um... <laughs> Friend is a strong word, Jason. Friend is I'm a, a friend word. of your version of this show. Okay. No. Friend is the, a friend of the show. It's, a, it's like the Jason Dick version. Uh, Here's yeah, a little the, fun caveat. I seem to only be here when it's snowing out. It's, oh, it's yeah, snowing so. out right it's now. It's true. It's true. It's like you herald the cold weather. Yeah. Being, being a Chicagoan. Or my last name. Yeah, it was right. inevitable. Oh, it's that's a right. horrible last name. Weather B. Yeah. Is it worse than Dick? Or, no. Or Hickenlooper? Hickenlooper's a horrible name. Dick is a great last name. It is. It is. Forms who you are. It, it it certainly it certainly has over mm-hmm. the years. Um, welcome back. Thanks for having me. We we have done this uh, a, a number of times in different uh, sort of mediums for for your podcast. Yeah, you sure. them, everybody. Uh, for your uh, for your workplaces podcast, mm-hmm. BYT Radio. Mm-hmm. For this show, um, for my podcast, Political mm-hmm. Theater. It's it's uh, so we have a. We have a way about us. That's true. All right. Let's talk about some stuff. And the okay. first thing <laughs> the first thing that I want to talk about, this first stuff I want to talk about yes, sir. is political. Yes. Uh, because as as Peter uh, mentioned earlier, Cory Booker has has thrown his his hat into yes. into the into the arena. Uh, and you are um, you have written about Cory Booker for and his you. politics for roll for call. roll call for roll call. How how about that? No way. Yeah, this is the the only thing. How about them kumquats? We we you know? uh, we actually planned. <laughs> this right. does seem planned. This is the one time I've been on this show this where it seems seem completely fixed? apt. Is this fixed? I don't know how like, you, like, you know what fixed means, but sure. Yeah, this is fixed. Um, <laughs> is this could, like wrestling? Does you the, might want to play the done? clip. I just found the clip. So yeah. let me explain the premise here. By the way, my Twitter handle is ymte. The most recent thing I tweeted from myself ymte. There's a clip for um, uh, C-SPAN, you might want to pull that up. I'm just telling you, Peter, not telling you how to do your job. I'm just pointing at you and informing you what <laughs> might be good for the show for context for people at home. Anyways, moving We're going to talk about it, and then we can play it if it's uh, up to the Bill Press show standards. You and uh, I yes. uh, are lucky enough to have jobs that I think are very interesting, so we, that means you're both at the Democratic National Convention in 2016, and Cory Booker spoke, and he was clearly going for the I am the Obama of 2004, right. and it did not land whatsoever. As, as I think Peter, we could all said, agree he was underwhelmed. Exactly, walk, and Peter is speech. absolutely correct. Right. And 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 so uh, he he decided to embrace love since then, which is not a bad thing to embrace. So um, when Linda McMahon was being nominated for small business head, SBA head, uh, at her hearing, Cory Booker. Rather than ask her about the WWE, ask about union practices, ask about uh, health insurance, ask about you know CTE, how, does a small know. is a small business responsible for their workers? Right. What he did with his seven minutes of time was he challenged uh, her real life son-in-law and fictional character named Triple H to a workout in the Senate gym. I want to thank you for being here. It means a lot to serve your country and to step forward and uh, be willing to make the kind of sacrifices you're going to have to make in this position. So uh, I'm grateful for your patriotism. I want to also just when your uh, daughter and son-in-law stood up, uh, just want to say for the record that your daughter is far more fierce and intimidating than your son-in-law. Um, and uh, That's yes, well, he, uh, he and I are about the same age, almost exactly the same age, and, and Paul's letting himself slip a little bit. So after this, uh, maybe we should go to the Senate gym so I can give uh, Triple H some triple help uh, in getting back in shape. 
Now that's a bad Yikes. promo. That's a bad, <laughs> that's a bad promo. promo. That's a really bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's not so explain like for for our. Uh, There's a lot of yeah, coded language yeah, in there, that. There, so you, you use, walk us through it as okay. our senior wrestling correspondent. That's here. what I should be. I'm the only one that actually cares about the future of this great country of ours. So okay, <laughs> so he refers to uh, Triple H as Triple H and Paul. His real name is Paul Levesque. Mm-hmm. Okay, Triple H is his wrestling name, short for Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Which was a blue blood from Connecticut that transitioned into a Lemmy type uh, fan of metal biker motorhead character type of guy. So there's essentially three different people we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. The woman in the background that you might have heard that said that's sexist, that is Stephanie McMahon, who is real life daughter of Linda McMahon, who is the chief brand operating officer of the WWE. It's her job to like go to the hospitals and help with the Make a Wish Foundation and all that good stuff. She mm-hmm. is the face of the company. In real life, she's like a good guy hero. And she told business, it was either Fast Business or Business Insider, um, how the future is philanthropy. Mm-hmm. The future of business is philanthropy, which gets to Howard Schultz. We'll get, we'll get everywhere, I promise you. This is not what this segment is. You did say a lot of stuff as the tease. No, no, I, this is exactly, I can show you my notes. Like, this is what I wanted <laughs> to talk about. Just a giant yeah. question mark. I didn't, I didn't have, no, I didn't have Cory Booker, but like, I had I know. Schultz. I had, This you is know, so dumb. Yeah. No, not, not this, but like. Battle of the Billionaires. 2017 we'll is so dumb. And 2019, I'm not dismissing this year. It's a great year. Um, and then Linda McMahon, at, for a very long time, was the CEO of the WWE, formerly the WWF. This is very important because they like to view themselves as a small business, even though they are literally a billion-dollar company. Right. So, Linda McMahon now, uh, two years in, about two years in, because this was the end of February of mm-hmm. 2017, two yep. years into her run as the head of the Small Business Administration, zero scandals. Right. The most above-board person in the Trump cabinet. Occasionally, you'll see her on CNN when they when they show the uh, the, the board and everyone's kissing ass. She's not. Right. It's fantastic. It's amazing that Linda McMahon, the one with the wrestling heritage, the wrestling heritage, the wrestling background, is the cleanest of everyone. Right. Cory Booker, on the other hand, has learned nothing from wrestling because not one thing he said in that one minute promo was interesting or funny or connected. And you didn't want to get a beer with that person, nor did you want to see that person take a fall. There was nothing magnetic about it. Right. And if you're not going to want to get a beer with them or you're not going to want to punch him in the face, you probably shouldn't be talking. Right. They're not. They're neither a face nor a heel. Exactly. In they're pointless. Right. In wrestling terms, so, Cory Booker has become the jobber of the Senate. By the way, I think you just killed his campaign. <laughs> I think he killed his campaign. <laughs> it's over. His peak was that doc about him. Uh-huh. Was was like oh six something like that. Once that documentary was made, and then he actually became a senator. Since then, it's just diminishing returns. Does the Senate just kill like politicians? No, Barack no. Obama. For two years. I that's mean, all he, he needed. Yeah, that's all he it needed. Was like, it was a cup of coffee. You know, yeah, like. that's the minor leagues. He did it the right way. <laughs> What's the problem here? So, again, more context, like to to, yes, to, to zoom out a little bit, like as, as you have written a book about, yes. there's another wrestler in politics. Who? <laughs> Donald Trump. What? The Donald. Yeah. Actually, even in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, because he's great. Um, and this... This whole like oh by the way the most ninety percent of the people ninety nine percent of the people listening have no idea who I am so when I say he's great I mean that sincerely I'm playing the role of a heel now if you're listening to the Bill Press show <laughs> we're pulling back the veil folks <laughs> no for when I say he's great I mean like as a wrestling character he is great he is every single thing you want in a wrestling character 
like somebody you want to defeat. If somebody you're a Democrat. He, either somebody, somebody that you want to cheer he's on. He's played both the heel and the face mm-hmm. in the WWE. He's clearly right now he's been mostly a heel, which is a bad guy uh, for American politics and the world stage for sure a heel. But for the people that love him, people love heels. People loved Ric Flair. Ric Flair was a bad guy. Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler of all time. I don't think that's a controversial statement. You want to hate people. That's a good thing to do. He elicits an emotion and a response. He now Cory Booker opposite. Cory Booker doesn't elicit anything. I don't know where I'm going with this, other than the Blake and well, obvious. And explain, I the, explain the term. So, I mean, in, in general, a, a face is somebody. Face is, is good a, guy. Good guy, heels, bad guy. Heels, bad guy. Mm-hmm. And a jobber is a jobber like, is the nothing you know, guy. So, right. um, think about baseball, right? Uh, who's your favorite baseball team? The Washington National. The Washington National. So Bryce Harper, he's your hero. He'd be the guy that's selling posters. Who's the third guy in the rotation? Who, it's not Max Scherzer. It's not Steven Strasburg. It's, it's now Patrick Corbin. Great. Uh, it was uh, Patrick Laura Corbin. Or great or example. Gonzalez, yeah. How many people outside of Washington, D.C., how many people outside of baseball circles know who Patrick Corbin is? Probably nobody. That's your jobber. Right. Okay. Your jobber is there to elevate the other people. They okay. got, they're got they there to eat innings. Okay. So in baseball terms, in, in terms people kind of understand, that's who the jobber is. Okay. The jobber's never going to make the all-star team. I know I'm using way too many analogies. It's pretty early in the morning. No, I, but I, I think this is fascinating. And also, I mean, one of the things that you, you probably heard, you know, Peter and I, you know, talking about a little mm-hmm. bit is just that when you're when you have a field this big of, yes. of candidates, how do you break through? Um, I mean, because there, I mean, the number of people, you know, th- this can be the young candidate, this can be the progressive candidate, this can be the angry candidate, this can be the black candidate, this can be the woman candidate. Yes. This can be, I mean, there are so many, like, things that it, it may, f- you may find it difficult to whittle the list. And, yeah. And there might be a danger, too, that, you know, for, not not so much for the, the Democratic Party, but possibly for the country, that, like, you know, the, the Republican field mm-hmm. in, in 2016 was the most Republican field that you could get. They had governors, they had senators, they had, you know, all this, the whole gamut of Republican politics. And it produced Donald Trump, who wasn't even really a Republican. Sure. And so there is the, I wonder, is there a danger that you have so many people that like, you know, this is, this is what leads to, um, what, you know, uh, where we're at now or, or somebody who's unqualified. Where to, we're to at now, well, who cares? Or, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, so you, that's either going to turn somebody off and not vote, mm-hmm. or they're going to vote, and then the winner will win, and they deserve to win because that's how it works out. I mean, I understand. Listen, I I don't think Cory Booker is a shot. He's got no chance in hell. But that doesn't mean he shouldn't try. Mm-hmm. If there, he could expose it's something. A free country, anybody can run, right? Well, it's blatantly not a free country. I don't know if you know about systematic racism, but uh, it exists. Uh, it, there's. There's no reason for him not to give it a shot. I mean, the guy I think is the most interesting to me has no shot, but I want him to run the mayor of South Bend. Like oh, his Pete, Pete his story, his Pete current Jackson. narrative, mm-hmm. his appearance on the View this week will be the one that everyone remembers, not this morning's appearance by Cory Booker. He's the guy to me. Clearly, to me, I'm the one speaking, Brandon Weatherby. He's the one that has the brightest future of anyone currently running. Do I think he's going to win? No. Do I think he's going to steal that Beto spotlight? Absolutely. And I think that's very important. Now, I do think if Biden runs, that that kid, literally he's 37, he's got a good chance of being a VP. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's actually on a ticket, we're going to find out how homophobic this country really is. Right. That will be an interesting test. 
So a little a little background here. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is, mm-hmm. is he? I hope I'm saying his name right. I mean, uh, Buttigieg. There's a reason Buttigieg. I said yeah. the mayor of South Bend and yeah. not his full name. <laughs> uh, so he he is as you said he's he's 37 years old. He's a veteran. Uh, mm-hmm. He 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 did two tours, I believe. I cannot uh, speak to that. I know he uh, went to Afghanistan. He he was an intelligence officer. Yes. Uh, and he is he is gay. Mm-hmm. And in his uh, rollout. Uh, candidate ad. He he's got his husband. Yeah. In 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 the in the film, he's not shying away from that part. And it is this. I mean, it feels very like generationally different. Yep. You know, this is not this is not Bernie Sanders. This is not Joe Biden. This isn't even Elizabeth Warren. This is somebody who like you know is 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 ready to say like it's it's my turn and I and I've I've actually been working yep. on this stuff. Like, and it it is. A, I think it's a compelling. Story. It's a compelling narrative, exactly. which not a lot of the candidates have. Because, like, what's Harris's narrative? I was, I was a, a really qualified prosecutor, and and like you were saying in the last segment, like you don't necessarily want someone that's not super progressive. So she's already gone. Elizabeth Warren, like a super smart lady. I know that sounds weird. Not necessarily a good thing. If you're a mayor of a relatively small town, South Bend's a little over a hundred thousand, and you were elected in a state that Pence won. That shows me that you have the bona fides to run anywhere in this country. Mm-hmm. And I do think this country is a little more sexist. Maybe that's a good, great question I think about daily. Sexist or racist? I think this country is a little um, more sexist than we'd like to admit. And I think that any guy has a better shot than any woman. Now, is that right? Absolutely not. But that's the reality in which we live. So I do think he could peel off some Trump voters. Mm-hmm. And if you want to win, that's kind of how you should think about it. Not what you want, but if you want to, you know, win the and i think that the most interesting kind of voter out there right now yes. are are these people who voted for obama twice and then trump exactly i mean because they exist there are a lot yes, of them in the midwest there. in particular yeah they live in yeah. indiana they live in ohio and he could win those states right. i'm not working for this man if harvard schultz wants to pay me i will clearly shill for him <laughs> i am a hired gun i have i am above board in that this is all a jk to me uh-huh uh, I do believe in local politics, but this is come on, this is a farce. The Schultz can the Schultz. Like, no, the whole uh, presidential oh, twenty twenty oh, campaign. Okay. As of right now, it's complete farce, and it should be a farce. We're mm-hmm. this far out. If anyone's taking it this seriously in February first of twenty nineteen, well, but you have to because you have to raise money. You have to have an interest. You have to hire staff. I mean, you know the, the once again, I don't know if you know what happened in twenty sixteen. That guy didn't do a lot of that stuff. Granted. he did have staff. He was in Iowa though. Was I mean, it I, a good staff? He didn't win yeah. Iowa. <laughs> No, no, but I mean, he beat fifteen other candidates. Sure, in Iowa, which sure. is not including the you know guy from the neighbor, the governor of the neighboring state. Yes, Scott Walker. So, and similar, so is, similar know. to the twenty sixteen field, uh, I think the twenty twenty Democratic field. Not a lot of there there. Right. Yes, there's sixteen people. Sorry, seventeen people in the Republican field last time? Uh, in twenty sixteen. Yeah, there yeah. might be as many this time, but like, how many are we going to really remember or care about? So just because there's a big crowded field doesn't make it that interesting yet. True. I, I will. I, one of the things you when you were talking about snow, uh, I think it was one or it was three years ago now that, you know, I was packing up and mm-hmm. being delayed to getting out of Des Moines because of the, you know, horrific weather there. The 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 thing that and it's probably worse right now. Yes. <laughs> than it was then. But I I had never seen the 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 parking meters where you get go into the airport uh, and you and you pull the parking ticket mm-hmm. the park it was so cold that they put coats on yeah. the parking oh yeah <laughs> like dispenser parking ticket dispensers 
I and and it and it's like twenty degrees colder. Yeah. Today. Yeah. In, in Des Moines, can you imagine? Yes. In, in a year. <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. It's it, going to be cold. I mean, th- this. I mean, and again, people have died. Yeah. I mean, like this is like no joke. Yeah. Uh, kind of cold weather. Uh, the the thought that there would be a bunch of elderly men and women wandering around Iowa uh, at, at this time of year is is kind of terrifying, you know. And and that's what's going to help determine really who's going to be running the country is who can survive the weather in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it'll be a who has the out. fortitude, right, to uh, brave the cold temperatures to get to a pizza ranch. <laughs> oh man. My stomach just hurt thinking about the. Uh, I actually wanted to ask Taco you, Supreme pizza. <clears throat> yeah, when you got to, to to Iowa, when you started talking about Iowa, I wanted to ask you specifically about Pizza Ranch. You eat a Pizza Ranch. Right? I, I have uh, unfortunately eaten at Pizza Ranch. Now, uh, my understanding is it's a buff. It's a pizza and bu- fried chicken buffet. Yes. Yeah, okay, and cool. emphasis more on the pizza. I mean, they have they have other things for the kids, you know, who don't sure. like pizza, I guess, you know, and and need the, the mac, mac and cheese and fried <laughs> fried uh, chicken. Okay, uh, but it is primarily about pizza, and you can get fried chicken on your pizza too. And and I thought I could eat almost anything, you know. <laughs> and some of the food there, I mean, it's it's it rivals St. Louis pizza in terms of its grossness. Yeah. Like you know, some some of the stuff. Not all of it's bad. I mean, like you know, some of it's just like regular pizza, pepperoni, ghoul. Sure. I'll have some. But there was there was a pizza that was a a taco supreme no. pizza, and it was just like, I mean, it's that's just gross, yeah, you know. That's and not good. and uh, and and actually, that was the saddest event. So one one of the things I did was I I went I wanted to see where Chuck Grassley, who was running for reelection, how he interacted with all the different presidential candidates. This was the kind of the roll call story, the full Grassley among all these candidates, and. Phil Grassley is him going to all 99 counties in, in Iowa, which he does every year. He's uh, he's in office. And the event for Rick Santorum <laughs> was in a conference room at a pizza ranch. That seems apt. In, 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 and I can't remember the name. It was like a suburb of Des Moines. It was it was a it was one of those like kind of difficult to to get like uh, names. And it was. It was just sad. There were there were a few people. It seemed like they had gotten like they'd gone out to the you know local community college for their Republican. You yeah, know, so he Republican was the jobber of that t- campaign. Very much. That will be the Booker spot. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about your upcoming marathon. Yes, you have an, sir. You have an eleven. You're doing hour, a marathon. Yeah, doing aggressive. eleven hour marathon. Eleven this is our third hour marathon. You, me, them, everyone, uh, everybody. Uh, Marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about this. Yes, sir. Well, yes. So the talk show has been going for 11 years, so mm-hmm. we're doing an 11-hour marathon. You, Me, Them, Everybody is a talk show uh, I hosted. Uh, we do two versions of it. One is the live show and one is just a one-on-one. And so this will be the live show, which means uh, monologue, guests, uh, comics, and band. You know, your classic late-night setup. My favorite guy was Craig Ferguson, so it's mostly like Craig Ferguson, which means most people don't like it because they like the James Cordra <laughs> man. Because he sings and likes games in the Jimmy Fallon man because he's thin and has good cheekbones. Now, I shouldn't say thin because he drinks a like lot. Like us. Oh, yeah. Never yeah. mind. Never mind. <laughs> My favorite guy is Ferguson. So if you liked Ferguson, you might like this one. If you don't, I understand it. We're all different people. So do a live show. So for this one, because it's the 11-year anniversary, it's my favorite thing to do. I figured we should do a few marathons. So we're going to do a live. It's our first live marathon, which mm-hmm. means people can come and watch and enjoy it. You will be a guest on, I think, our 3 o'clock hour. 3 o'clock hour. So you're hour four, technically, for me. This is the me. Wonderland Ballroom. To the Wonderland Ballroom in Washington, D.C., uh, 1101 Kenyon Street Northwest. Uh, it's very easy to get to. It's right at the Columbia Heights Metro stop. Anyways... 
I think it'll be fun because even when if something's good, it's good. When something is bad and it's stretched out in a very, very long time, it becomes fun for other people to watch misery. Now, <laughs> I think I will do a very that's, that's our philosophy here at the Bill yeah, Press yeah, Show. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he's cracked the code. It is interesting <laughs> to hear people uh, when people ask me like, "How are you going to do it for eleven hours?" Like, have you talked to any like radio DJ? Most shifts are four hours. Sometimes they're eight. Sometimes people show up late and they become like ten hour shifts. Like, it's not that hard. Like, this is literally my favorite thing to do in the world: is talk to interesting people. We're gonna have thirty three guests over eleven hours. There's I think five or six bands. I think there's I think uh, twelve comics. I already mm-hmm. said think twice in one sentence. This would be a bad start to the marathon. We have about 20 guests, and uh, I'm very excited to do it. You're one of them. So there's a little bit of, similar to a late night show, it Really, de- it's guest dependent. So mm-hmm. we got about a handful, probably five people that write about politics, uh, five people that write or work in the food industry, uh, a few people in the professional wrestling industry, a few people, I'm shocked. A few people that write about sports. So mm-hmm. if you, if you, it's it's the whole weather thing. If you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes. If you don't like the guest, wait 10 minutes. There's going to be someone else there. Well, well, well. And and actually, I, I should note too that some of those some of these guests, not not just myself, are, have been on the Bill Press show, like our friend Clinton Yates. Yeah, uh, I, he, I noticed he, he there were several friends of the show. He, there you go. Uh, Dave Weigel will, yeah. will be on there. Weigel can talk about either politics or progressive rock. We'll probably be talking about progressive rock. Okay, because it's it's a it's a little easier and safer for Dave to talk about progressive rock <laughs> than his day job. <laughs> Um, in, in terms of serious stuff, I think the most serious stuff uh, is the food aspect of uh-huh. it, because uh, Laura, Laura Hayes, mm-hmm. Laura Hayes did uh, another, another friend of the show, by the way, fantastic job with the Mike Isabella story. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, she's a food writer for the Washington City paper. Uh, usually that just entails like this is the new spot. This is a great cocktail, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But uh, due to her reporting, it's really a huge part of the Me Too movement. It, probably the biggest story of the Me Too movement outside of uh, who's the guy that wore the not flip flops, but the 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 shoes with the holes in them. Um, Mario Batali. Thank you. Yeah, yes. Besides Batali, this is the biggest Me Too story. So right. she's part of that, and I think that'll be a very interesting exchange. Crocs. 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 Thank you. Crocs. I apologize Crocs. so much. Robin Bell, you might know because he's the guy that does a lot of projection protest. Mm-hmm. Uh, GQ's profile, them CNN's profile. Oh yeah, at the Trump Hotel. Exactly. Yes. He'll be there, and um, he's he's a great guy. Uh, he's got the most fun uh, glasses, actual spectacles that you better could ever see. Way better than ours, and that's better why Peters? you have to come to the show to see I, his glasses. I'm a guest. It's I'll a be tease. there. I'll be there. <laughs> but yes, uh, other people should. Because yeah. <laughs> I th- that's I think the whole point. No offense. <laughs> they should. Uh, they should come and have a good time. You can get a beer and and just hang out too. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Don't talk to me while I'm talking to the crowd. It's a monologue, not a dialogue. <laughs> Playing the role of a heel, everyone. <laughs> uh, no, it'll it'll be a fun show. And if it's not a fun show, you could see misery. You could see misery unfold. So one of the things that I find interesting about you, you mentioned this food, and and we. We'll, we will continue this conversation yes, at another time because we, we don't have that much time left. Uh, but food has become so central, I think, to places like Washington. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, I mean this is such a huge part of the economy that we, we ha- you have to, as a food writer, um, think of it in term- more holistically. It's not just about like whether it's a good value or whether it tastes good. I mean, this is, this is you a, know la- what? I, a labor I, Before issue, you even continue, I think we need to talk about – we never actually do talk about if it's a good value. I think okay. that is missing in food narratives right now. Okay. I think we all take it for granted. I think that that most food writers and most editors think that everyone has the funds to like a t- to eat the thing that At you're the end writing. Of Washington. That's or, not cool. Right. And I, I don't think that's a Washington problem. I definitely see that in, in national publications as well. But like we need to, we as the as the 
the publishing industry, and, and we need to talk about like how much money do people actually have? Right. That's the Instagram lie. Like, no, even right. if you're taking a photo of this, that doesn't mean that you could afford it. You're probably gifted that. If it's a really good photo, that was probably free product. Mm-hmm. No one mentions that. Yeah. It's a false lifestyle, and I completely apologize for ruining the premise of your question. No, no. It, actually, I, I mean, I think that the it, the broader point yes. is that food. As a as, as a topic for discussion, or or as a as a topic of like analysis, or, or in our writing and our reporting, is more than just does this taste good? Yes, you know, I mean, and and it and I think it's because it's it's kind of like sports. Sports went from being a pastime, yes, uh, a, a way that you 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 got away from the economy and you got away from the uh, you know your your job to mm-hmm. this is the job now. This is the economy. Yep, sports is the economy in Correct. the United States. Entertainment. Uh, and these things. This is what is important. This is what drives the economy. It's not the steel industry anymore. It's yeah. the foot. It's the it's NFL. A service industry. You know, it's the NCAA. Yeah. The, you know, th- this is what is the thing that everybody wants. This is the where the money is. Yeah. So the food, the, the way the food relates is, uh, I, I think it's twofold of why food matters. Um, clearly, we could all enjoy it. But number two, we don't really need to pay for music or film anymore, and everything else is free. So what could we spend our money and time on? And it's food. Right. So. Brandon, I'm really looking forward to being the guest, uh, your guest, and thank you for coming on. Thanks the for show. having me. All right, follow Brandon at YMTE on Twitter, and we will be right this back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how you can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com/slash Bill Press Show. And on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Welcome back to The Bill Press Show. I am Jason Dick. I'm not Bill Press. Uh, Bill Press is probably one of these bars that we're looking at right here uh, in the, the new Garden and Gun, the South's best bars. I'm, I'm just going to say is it Babas on Cannon, Peter. Is that yeah. good? All right. That's it's an excellent the, bar. That, it's an excellent bar in Charleston. Uh, actually, we have no idea where Bill is. Uh, his where, Whereabouts unknown. Uh, I am joined this half hour by Alexandra Petri of the Washington Post. We're going to talk about, uh, it to, much to, to Brandon's chagrin, stuff. We're going to talk about stuff. We're, there's a lot of stuff. Brandon hated that when I said when I said stuff. I, I love stuff. <laughs> I love stuff, so too. So already we're at a great departure. <laughs> but first, we're going to do the Full Court Press. This is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. We are in February now. It's February 1, so Valentine's Day is just around the corner. Overrated holiday, yes or no? Well, I, I, I like to think of it as that it'll be the day before the next shutdown. <laughs> it'll be like Christmas Eve. <laughs> That's where the real action happens. How it's not Christmas, it's Christmas. Yes, yes. It was the night before shutdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you're looking to get something for not the special someone in your life, but someone who used to be the special someone in your life, the Hemsley Conservation Center is in southeast London. They are a zoo, and they say that if you want to name a cockroach... 
after one of your exes, you can do that for the low, low price of about $2. You can name the cockroaches there at the Hemsley Conservation Center. And they said for Valentine's Day, they have a promotion. $2. And you can name one of them after one of your former exes. That seems like a much more creative thing than, than that museum in L.A. Remember that there was a museum in L.A. that started as a museum of the, the relationship gone bad or something oh, like that? Do you right. remember that? Vaguely. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, but although that was a little bit more, you know, narrative, this this just seems like revenge. I think bugs. the Brooklyn Zoo is doing the same thing, though. <laughs> but it's for your current love because they're like, what lasts longer than a cockroach? They're really spinning it like the romance oh, of the cockroach. Oh, see, that's, that, I like the optimism there. That's a so, cockroach half full type thing. (laughs) Into it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay, let's go to California where uh, J. Kenji Lopez-Alt is a great chef. He uh, does a lot of recipes for Serious Eats. I'm a big fan. Uh, He's a chef partner at a place called Worst Hall, or should I say Verst Verst Hall. Verst Hall. It's a restaurant that serves, as you can imagine, lots of different kinds of sausages. Well, they have a new policy at the restaurant. Anybody walking in wearing a red Make America Great Again baseball cap will be refused service at his restaurant. <laughs> Very interesting. What uh, if it's an ironic use of the MAGA hat? I, you know, uh, I guess it's like, you know, they think that it's like there is no ironic use of a swastika. Is that kind of, I mean, is that their, is that their like way they're, kind of coming down on this? Uh, you know, I, th- I, th- that's a very good question. I mean, he's a very well-respected food writer. He wrote a couple of great food books, and mm-hmm. Serious Eats is a wonderful website. Uh, but he has received threatening emails, of course, and he says he has declined further comment. I'm surprised that a restaurant with that theme would be opposed to MAGA hats, because they are the worst hats. <laughs> yeah. Oh! Hey! No pun go. left behind. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it is Alexander Petri. Like the, 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 the puns will keep coming, we promise you. Uh, another story, the American Lung Association gave 43 states and Washington, D.C. a failing grade when it comes to funding prevention programs for smoking. There is actually an increase in kids using not only regular cigarettes, but specifically jewels, e-cigarettes. Yes, e-cigarettes, the yep. jewels and e-cigarettes and things like that. They say that the e-cigarette epidemic is uh, threatening to erase all of the progress that we have made as a country and reducing tobacco usage rates in general. So the Lung Association said, again, 43 states plus Washington, D.C., that's not a small number. When, uh, a failing grade. Yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Richard Burr, who's the senior senator in North Carolina, was railing against e-cigarettes and tobacco use. When the guy from North, North Carolina, Carolina. <laughs> says there's a problem, you can take it from him, there's a problem. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Welcome back uh, from that long 15-second interlude uh, from the Full Court Press uh, to, to this half hour. Again, joining me uh, for this half hour is Alexandra Petri of the Washington Post. Alexandra, thank you so much for taking a little bit of your morning with us. Oh, thanks for having me. So, one, uh, I 
Let's just dive right into politics. Uh, we we do have uh, we were talking about booze a little bit, uh, but we let's let's put aside the booze because it's still coffee time. Mm. <laughs> and specifically, let's talk about Howard Schultz. Uh, your your uh, one of your recent columns is about Howard Schultz, and you have a, a suggestion. He is uh, somebody who is he's a billionaire and he's someone who is contemplating a presidential run. And you have some advice from him, some political advice. Yeah, I think he should just go to space like a regular billionaire. I feel like there's a time of life that comes upon all these billionaires apparently where you like look over all that you've achieved and you're like I'm not satisfied with my piles of bullion <laughs> or my island named for myself or whatever it is that you have and you have many things and you think I got to do something with this. And usually what happens is then you start trying to go to space. You like right. build like SpaceX or Virgin This world Galactic. is not enough. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, you go full. What's his name from the Bond film? Um, oh, any number of Bond yeah, villains, right? Yeah, that's true. They're uh, all going to space. They're, they're, now that I they're think all about it. Drax, Drax I th- yeah. uh, from Moonraker, which is the, obviously the best Bond movie ever, right? It has lasers. Oh, yeah. Well, if you have lasers. <laughs> was, that's not the, the laser sharks, though. Right. Oh, that's... that's right. That was the film that never got made, uh. unfortunately. Yeah, that was like a spinoff of Thunderball, which eventually just became a, a remake of Thunderball, but with Sean Connery fatter and less hair. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> like, that's like, why let's I, do that. the trajectory ne- I want my Never say to never have. again. Uh, it works in so many ways. Never say never again to <laughs> another Sean Connery Bond movie. So. Now, speaking of, the, of bad trajectories for franchises, so Howard Schultz. <laughs> right. So he, no, um, he's. I, I feel like he had the Trump urge, which is the urge where you're like, I'm a billionaire putatively and I want to run for president of the United States. Right. And that doesn't seem like a helpful urge. And I feel like most of right. the desire to spend a lot of money while not tangibly benefiting anyone at all couldn't be satisfied by going to space or attempting right. to go to space. Well, and also there, he just he's come across like I think as a little weird. And I'm not saying that there this isn't a partisan statement at all. I mean, I know no, we're, this is an know, objective yeah, statement. Yeah, this <laughs> no, is kidding. an objective statement that, that some of the stuff that he said is just kind of strange. Like the, I mean, that you you have uh, talked about this a little bit in uh, on Twitter uh, at, at uh, Petri Dishes. That's not how you pronounce your name, but it's uh, Petri Dishes. It's very it's not confusing. Petri Dishes. Uh, and but about this like thing about he has about the jackets. Like that, that he says that Ronald Reagan was his favorite yeah. president because oh. he never took his jacket off. Oh wait, we have a clip. Yeah. Yeah, I want to play this clip because this is from Morning Joe the other morning. I, I think it was Wednesday morning where she was uh, uh, Mika asks him. Howard Schultz, about his favorite Democrat and Republican president over the last 50 years. There are a lot of layers to this clip, okay? I just want to play the whole thing. Who is the best Republican president in the past 50 years? Best Dem. I have great respect for Ronald Reagan. This came from the Ronald Reagan Library. The thing that I took away from Ronald Reagan, aside from all of the wonderful things he did, that really struck me, especially compared to the current person who is despicable in in the Oval Office, Ronald Reagan never took his jacket off in the Oval Office in eight years. Why? Because of his respect and the dignity of the office. That needs to be restored. How much? Democrat, FDR. That was more than 50 years ago. (laughs) So he's not very good at math, except when it comes to pricing coffee, apparently. Yeah, I was about to be like, Eisenhower. I'm like, no, Eisenhower's not within 50 years, but if Eisenhower's not, then definitely FDR isn't. Right. But also, there are multiple pictures of Ronald Reagan working in the Oval Office without his jacket. Yeah, there's like three parts of it. Yeah. a, it's incorrect. As yes. you say, there's multiple pictures of him without his jacket in the Oval Office. Interesting yet false, a friend of mine would say. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
But B, like, of all the things to be like, where I'm really going to differentiate myself from the current occupant of the White House, I think Trump mostly wears a jacket in yeah. the Oval Office. It's yeah. like, this isn't going to be where, like, oh, he's really let down the office. And he's let it down in so many ways. Right. You've got just a myriad ways to pick from. And this is the one where he's like, I'm actually not sure we can take this from Trump. Though. Right. We, I mean, like, and I, you're right. I have, n- I have not seen Trump with his jacket off in the in the Oval Office. I mean, I... Or just, I, like, full stop. Yeah, like, I have, he's it, not a casual man. Right. And, and I have, you know, I have the images of him and the golf course sort of seared into my consciousness, which un- is a very unfortunate thing. I'd much rather have something else, like a <laughs> Huskies running across the, you know, Iditarod would be a better image. You know, from, uh, I don't know where that came yeah, from. Yeah, Huskies running across Iditarod. There's like a lot to unpack <laughs> I, here. I think it's just cold. You know, I mean, that, I'm just thinking of cold weather. Well, that's how know, we all like, got into work this morning. <laughs> right. Our Huskies brought us here. Um, Bush. But yeah, it just and you know it seems maybe is it a dig at Obama because Obama had like you know he rolled up his sleeves in the Oval Office at one time and he he put his leg up on the desk which is kind of a vaguely kind of dominant that was a thing, thing by the way yeah. during the Obama years the the Bushies got yeah. so mad because he was photographed without his jacket in the office George W Bush had that rule. You had to wear a jacket if you came into the Oval Office. But even President Bartlett on the West Wing <laughs> took his jacket off occasionally in there and then and then he did that cool like. Thing, oh, know, yeah, he whooshed it, it around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Mrs. Landingham uh, was quaking. Um, I've ripped so many jackets <laughs> trying to do that. Yeah. Well, I've got some you can borrow. Yeah. Probably, you know, like yeah. I, I, I've perfected the move. You know, you <laughs> no, but I do think this is typical where you identify like one small thing. It's like, well, so-and-so never in the right. White House for even an instant like swatted at a B, and that just showed the ultimate respect for the right. office. And yeah. It's like, okay, well, but t- actually, though, tangibly... How did this benefit anyone? Right. What's the what? What are the policies? Do you, did you like his tax cuts? Did you? I mean, did you like his buildup of defense? What was it about Reagan? This is the jackets. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, the... I've always respected Lincoln deeply because he always kept on his jacket. No other reason, not policy. But reasons. took his hat off as you. As oh, you that's noticed. true. Yes, that, yeah. That, that Got to gi- remove that gigantic stovepipe hat. Although, I mean, like, I would... <laughs> he didn't even enter the Oval Office because out of such respect, <laughs> I don't think it had been built yet. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But. So, so Schultz, like, I, I think this is a good idea, too. Like, I mean, the, in, I think that if you would have asked people, I wasn't alive in 1969, but like, if you would have asked people uh, when we landed on the moon, if in 50 years we'd still have not gone past the moon from a manned flight, I think most people would say, like, no, no, we, I mean, I've seen 2001. We're going to be a Jupiter. You know, like, we're, we're going way beyond, right? Nope. <laughs> yeah, like, no. The big accomplishment was the Chinese were landed on the dark side of the moon. Uh, you know, I mean, so it, I think it's a fantastic idea. Take some of that like money and and spend it like you know putting us in a in a in a different part of space. Um, the you have uh, you've you've had a, a, a bit of a little other content about Starbucks as well, <laughs> um, and, and in particular, you are a, a very much a hardcore partisan in favor of pumpkin spice latte. We even have. Some audio uh, 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 footage. Uh, I guess. Oh footage? no! Do you say footage if it's not video, or is it just like just, just audio? We have, we have a tape. sound. We have a sound file. Roll the tape <laughs> of, of something you did for the Washington Post. Remember when you were capable of feeling joy? The pumpkin spice latte does. It tastes like Ryan Gosling paying you a respectful compliment and then was melted down into a delightful beverage. It tastes like fall, season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. Look, when was the last time an orange thing a majority of white women liked brought you joy? That was, uh, I mean, I and I respect it. I am not a pumpkin spice latte person. I, I mean, I'm sort of Agent Cooper in my my coffee. I, I do like it strong, black as the darkest midnight, as and as, as Pete would say, that's dark. 
but to each her own on, on this, and I and I respect that. Uh, has Howard Schultz's dalliance with the presidency and with uh, sartorial choices in the Oval Office changed your opinion of pumpkin spice lattes? Oh man! Well, I think the latte stands or falls on its own merits, and. <laughs> Even candy cane lattes? Oh, the the Starbucks have been sort of messing with the formula because now they understand that, like, you can disgust a sufficient number of people by having, like, a unicorn latte or, like, a zombie latte or frappuccino in either of those cases. Yeah, Yeah, they have, like, very strange concoctions that they keep doing because people are like, oh, have you tried this ghastly viral object? Have you tried the cheesesteak latte in Philadelphia? I guess that's next, probably, right? No, that actually sounds like they could make it work, whereas none of these (laughs) sound like they're making it work. I love there was one guy who got a Starbucks cup, filled it with uh, ice, and then dumped, like, one of those electric blue Gatorades into it. And when his friends are like, wow, what are you drinking? He's like, oh, it's an off-the-menu item at Starbucks. you got to go in and you got to ask for the Bamalama Ding Dong. <laughs> and they'll give it to you. But it's just, you got to ask for it. you got to ask for it. <laughs> Wasn't this a thing with Schultz, though, too? That Schultz said that there was some sort of off-menu off stuff that you could ask for? They do things? have a secret yeah. menu. Yeah, there are a couple of things. I had a friend who used to work there, and she would like, there's like a blended lemonade that you can get that's really delicious. But that might be on-menu now, because I think it might have gone mainstream. There was such a clamor for it. It was delicious. Yeah. So what I mean, are you so you think whatever Howard Schultz does, if he if he gets Trump reelected, the pumpkin spice latte can still live on its own outside of like it, it its affiliation with a Starbucks CEO, former CEO now uh, and, and chairman. Is it, well, this is difficult. It's like I have to be like, is the death of the artist like <laughs> right. is, does the pumpkin spice latte truly stand alone or will its memory like whenever I consume it, is it going to be tainted by all the knowledge of everything that Howard Schultz is now doing? So Howard Schultz and pumpkin spice lattes is almost like a Woody Allen movie, right? It's like. This is probably like a really like no, but I mean gross, like, horrible human being. But the movies are pretty good. I mean, like how I was say, well, pumpkin spice latte yet, has brought yeah. me some joy. Yes. Whereas uh, no, none of the Woody, none of Woody Allen movies. I don't know. I, admittedly, I didn't watch Andy Hall because it won the Best Picture Oscar instead of Star Wars, and I was protesting. Right. Little a, did I know <laughs> that this would. All these years later, she's All right, still let, mad actually about okay. It. Let's back up. Uh, maybe Woody Allen's a little. Um, that's that may be a bridge too far. Clint Eastwood, though. Clint Eastwood. Oh, you remember know, the har- chair? Remember when he yelled ch- at that chair? Yeah, the chair w- with like the uh, absent Obama. That was um, a simpler time, but also <laughs> not. It was. It was <laughs> did when you were were you at in Tampa? Yeah. yeah. So I I was not, and I I was just kind of watching it on TV, um, and I. I, I Boy, we keep on tripping over all these like terrible men, but in the Halperin <laughs> Heilman book, uh, you know, he. he Mentions that that uh, uh, Stuart Stevens, I think I think that's the the Mitt Romney. Yeah. When he was watching this, when he was watching this transpire, Clint Eastwood talking to this chair <laughs> on on primetime television, <laughs> he, that he just went and threw up. And he, he just he he was like, what is going on? Here? It was <laughs> one of the most insane things. And yet, if Donald Trump was to do that today, it'd be like. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it'd be like like the sixth weirdest (laughs) thing that happened that week. Yeah, it wouldn't even register. Right. No, I guess, I mean, maybe there is just, this is just sui generis, the the Starbucks thing. Because I'm thinking like, well, yeah, I mean, Eastwood is a a kind of a Republican and somebody, and he's not that bad or weird. And the movies are, I mean, so many of the movies are, are like, great. Like, Unforgiven is, you know. 
did not conflict with a Star Wars movie. Yeah, Everybody that's this picture. <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, and 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 there's a, there is a there's the art and there's the artist. And so maybe there is we can we can afford that sort of dissonance. You know, because at the same time though, it's like there is a certain moment where you're like, well. How do we incentivize people to make really good things? Because, like, right. the pre- premise that, like, you're not ever going to find a garbage person in the world is a difficult premise. Like, most people are, to some degree, garbage. Like, America was the product of people who were, to a large degree, they were uh, They were too, relig- too, too religious and weird for England. And, <laughs> oh, no, but it's like, so, but this country has, like, many good points. And, we, right. and just because, like, the people who produced it weren't ideal in all respects, doesn't mean it's like, okay, well, we should wait for, like, perfect people to come along. It's like, we have this thing. Let's, like, figure out what's good about it and continue to improve. But... So do you think there will be protests? I mean, there already are protests yeah. on, on Schultz. I mean, the the, the book, uh, Peter, you said the book is not cracked any kind of, um, like, bestseller list or anything uh, yeah, like that. It hasn't even gotten to the top 25 on Amazon, according so, to the story I read another, this morning. Speaking of billionaires. Uh, uh, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> um so, but you, do you think though that there's a there could be a problem with Starbucks that people enough? I mean, you're the the pumpkin spice latte is safe in the Petri household. I don't know; it's a but, seasonal uh, item, and also like every time I taste it, I'm like, this gets sweeter and sweeter. It's maybe. so sweet. It's, I do yeah. one. I, I, first of all, I'm with you. I love the pumpkin spice latte. I do one a year. My God, you, I'm, I'm outnumbered yeah, here. I do one. A yeah, year. you're in the minority. I do one, just one. Like when that crisp fall air hits. My mind immediately turns to pumpkin spice latte, and I get one. And Ryan Dawson, yep. and right, yeah. <laughs> and I had one this past year, and I go, "My God, I can't drink this. It's too sweet." Yeah, I had this problem, but where we were doing that segment for the post to show my love of pumpkin spice lattes, but it meant that I had to have one in like August, and I'm like, "This is too soon, and this is too sweet," <laughs> and I no longer believe wrong. my own opinion. Can you, <laughs> can you get it in August? Apparently. Really? Oh, is it part of the off menu? Pumpkin thing? spice no, latte was, season gets earlier and earlier it, every year. Every <laughs> every ho- it's Christmas creep. That's what my grandma always used to say, man. <laughs> can't get those PSLs in the summertime for too much longer, you know. Yeah, or, I, or I pumpkin spice latte. Oh, pumpkin spice latte. latte. Oh, okay, that's, C- that's come on, Jason. That's, that's come a thing. On. Sorry, sorry, it's a thing. <laughs> um, let's talk about the State of the Union. Uh, one of your uh, recent columns uh, also uh, said, you know, it, it it basically posited that, like, if the if the State of the Union didn't happen, that would be fine. Yeah, uh, and 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 part of it, I mean, and I you know I read. Um, a, uh, I, I read a story. I've, re- I've read a couple stories now, including by your colleague uh, Elise uh, Verbeck uh, in, in the um, at, at the Post about the guests that are coming, and it's like there are uh, there are some women who worked at, a, at Trump International golf courses or something like that who are undocumented, and Tim Ryan, a Democrat from Ohio, is bringing somebody who was laid off from a you know an auto plant that closed down, and I mean and and there, it just it's become this. Thing. And I think that your your example was like the, the the most intense scuba diver in Lake Michigan or whatever, you know, like <laughs> or, or something <laughs> That's a like thing that. that happens, you know? yeah. Uh, and and it's just like it just seems um, that the State of the Union. And I caveat, you know, I I wrote a, a column myself that like the the I feel like the State of the Union is is like the appendix of American politics. It's like nobody is quite sure exactly what it does. And if you removed it, you probably wouldn't notice. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that that it is this it has become this spectacle. And I wonder, is it just time to to get rid of it? I mean, are, are you gonna? I mean, are you gonna watch it? I mean, I think I'm going to watch it, but that's you because I'm a material? glutton for punishment. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I can't even tell if it's punishment anymore. I, I, it's it's too late. We're too deep in too deep. the 20. 20- 
whatever this year is. Um, 2019? 19. Right, right, right. right. 40. It just feels like 2020 because we have all these presidential candidates all over the place. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, as an institution, especially it's like a gift of Woodrow Wilson. And when, mm-hmm. when, someone, when you hear the phrase, oh, this was Woodrow Wilson's idea, are you like, <laughs> is this a good idea? This is something I'm going to continue and enshrine and oh, cherish yeah. close to my heart. World War One, you know, failed League of Nations. And, oh, yeah, he know, loved that League of Nations. In- influenza outbreaks, you know, these are all yeah. things I'm I not sure we can blame the that. influenza on Woodrow oh, Wilson, but we might as let's well. Let's just throw it in Yeah, there, like right? let's screen State like, of the Union influenza. Yeah, you know, screening birth of a nation at the White House. That <laughs> we can definitely blame him for. Um, <laughs> but no, so A, it's a Woodrow Wilson legacy, so mm. already a, a strike against it. And B, like, have you ever gone to a State of the Union and been like, yes, that was great. That was a wonderful speech. Awesome. And Nailed I it. understand mm. what the State of the Union is now. Like, I think it should just be delivered in writing. When that was an option, I was all for that. I was team just... We can all like read it on paper and then we can we don't have to sit there. And my favorite part of the State of the Union, I think, is a like the passive aggressive mid sentence clapping where the president will start a sentence. and It'll be like, you know, I don't think. And then like the Democrats will rise applauding. Right. And you've got this like weird like thing where you see like half of the half of the chamber up and down and so forth. Yeah. No, it, it serves no purpose. And then you have. Somebody, I, I forget who exactly introduced the concept. You had to have like the president would bring in like six sample Americans and be like this American. It was, it was actually, um, uh, Le, Le, I think his name's Lenny Skutnik. He was the he was the very first acknowledged guest in '82. I think it was when the uh, Air Florida uh, went went down. I think it was Air Florida. The the, the plane crash into the Potomac. Uh, oh. in, in, in January, the 14th Street Bridge, the 14th yeah. Street Bridge crash, and this guy was like a like a Fed. I mean, he's still he's still alive. He's he's retired now, uh, but he was a Fed, and he dove into the Potomac River in January to like help fish people out. And he, oh, well, I, I can't I, get mad at him. I apologize. Right, right. no, it's, it, like like a lot of things, it started with good intents. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, kind of like the the well. There, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll leave the, the 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 metaphors on on all the different things that start with good intentions and just like you know. You know, my my favorite era of the State of the Unions were George W. Bush when he would give like a pretty normal State of the Union address, but he would always have like one or two weird things in there, like what 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 like. <laughs> One year he switch talked grass. about the, the switch grass. The switch grass. You remember like, the switch yes, grass? Yes. He talked about steroids. One year he talked about stopping human animal hybrids. <laughs> Not a joke. Not a joke. It was just making sure we were paying attention. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's it's it like that like... writer in your contract where it's like, and green M and M's must be removed from the bowl. It's like, right. okay. Or for this president, uh, the the Starburst. Like right. Kevin McCarthy right. is right there to to pick out the like the strawberry Starburst. Yeah, the, the offending Starburst. Yeah. The one State of the Union that I would have liked to have seen is uh, Gerald Ford's in in 1975 because he had the guts to to stand up. He had just you know. Become president a few months before, like the country was like, "What is happening?" You know, like the Russians are going to nuke us any minute now. Nixon got away, you know, all this kind of stuff, and he just laid it out. He said, "Like my fellow Americans, the State of the Union is not good." <laughs> and it was like, "That's amazing." It's it, and it's I think they have it on on C-SPAN. Like they they you know they crop up the State of the Union stuff, and it is I maybe not watch the whole speech, but just watch the beginning because it's like. Whoa, Whoa, somebody actually, like, said it like it was. Like, it's not good. It's a very Bullworth kind of statement. Like, 
It's not. It really sucks. It's terrible. That's it's, great. It's 1975. There's an embargo, oil embargo. Everything. Everybody hates life right now. Inflation. Yeah. Like, why would you ever vote for somebody? Oh, wait. Hold on a second. Let me wrap it up. He, like, <laughs> takes off the glasses. He's like, no, I'm going to speak from the heart. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think the guests, I mean, they started out with a good, you know, like, look at this guy. I mean, he literally dove into the water, like, risking life to, to help other people. And now it's become this thing of like we're gonna embarrass like people, you know. We're we're gonna, we're, you know. Last year the president uh, brought these parents who whose daughter was killed by gang members, and you know to to sort of make a point. It's like it just felt exploitative, you yeah, know. I feel it, like it's just it's not that the people themselves are bad. It's just that the idea of like oh we gotta have six Americans and we gotta use them to illustrate the policy right. proposals enshrined in this speech or whatever like the policy proposal might be a little strong in terms right. of like the content of the idea being expressed. Except when you're talking about switchgrass. That's oh the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I brought with me six distinguished blades of switchgrass and they they will stand for our fellow citizens. Like so it just it takes a lot of time and everyone feels like hey this person's worth clapping and right. then suddenly 40 minutes have passed right. and it's a <laughs> I love him like no I cherish my 40 minutes as right. though I don't spend my life staring at everything that Donald Trump says and does right. <laughs> I, I really value my time what was it, what was it an hour uh, if like getting rid of Facebook gave you an extra hour of your life an extra hour of yeah. personal time we every day if you got rid of press. if you got rid of Facebook and you stopped using Facebook you would get an hour of your life back and and that's just that's just one social media. That's just what, yeah, exactly. like, I would just spend that on Twitter, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, journalism, right? I mean, so we we are journalists. I've I can't help but think that we're more addicted to to Twitter than the general population or n- the general non-maga population. I can't imagine, like, I I don't know. I feel like my like my aunt's on Twitter, so maybe people are. Um, <laughs> right. Well, and, that, and and Aunt Bessie used to be on Facebook too, right? And I think I I was surprised at how that you said there were college students on Facebook because it seems like that would be like there would be on something else, yeah, like Twitch or. I guess it's like that. the phone directory at this point, right. where like you have to have some sort of like Facebook footprint, and then your actual social activity. It's like is the landline of social media. It's like yeah. I'm not ready to get rid of it yet. I it have could be a, an emergency. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a 14 year old child. And there is uh, nothing less cool than Facebook, Twitter, any of that. Like they just don't. I what? want. Nothing yeah, where to are do they? Where are they hanging what, out? Yeah, where are, where are Magnus and Gray spending their social? So here's media the time? thing that I found out. Uh, Great names, aren't they? Oh, those are superb best, names. Best we believe in names of destiny. Uh, <laughs> they 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 do use Instagram, but uh-huh. they don't post anything on Instagram. That's sort of what they use for their messaging, and they send stuff. It all as as the old uh, saying goes, it all goes down to the DMs, and they mm. p- they pass stuff around to each mm-hmm. other without having it be public. Is that really an old saying? It sounds like it was saying from saying. Like last month. <laughs> yeah. or something it's like not that. an old saying. Yeah, uh, as Chaucer once wrote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it all goes down to the DMs. Um, getting away from politics a little bit, you have a play. Uh, coming up uh, on February 9th, I believe. Oh yes, in, in, I do. in Arlington. Like, let's. I mean, so um, for, for folks who only you know read you in the post or, or follow you on Twitter or something, they may not know that you're. Is it what? What's the the you were affiliated with a group? I think it was the. Oh the, yeah, the, 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 the welders. welders. The welders, which is a playwrights I, collective. Right, which is very cool. It I think. is. Um, and you've you've had other plays like there you uh, you were a, a, uh, I think your last one was in the Anacostia Playhouse. Is that what it is? Or, or oh, that was a couple of years ago. I've, years? I had one at the Silver Spring Black Box. Uh, okay. Fairly recently. Okay, and so so let's talk about your play that's coming up. It's called Tragedy Averted. Tragedy Averted. Yeah. Tragedy Averted. It's it's a great. 
great it's a great uh, title but uh, let's, let's talk about your play and and uh, where people would go if they wanted to see it oh um, yeah so. well you can go check it out uh and it's basically it's about if the tragic heroines of all of Shakespeare's tragedies had gone to summer camp and fixed their lives <laughs> so Ophelia yeah like, Ophelia. learns to swim Oh yeah, or, or, <laughs> that's true. Just <laughs> basic swim lessons right. could have solved right. that. Right. But I don't know. There was some like, I want to say like W. H. Auden or somebody had the theory that the trouble with Shakespeare's tragedies is not that like the situation is something you could never extricate yourself from, uh-huh. but rather that like the wrong person is put in that situation. So like, okay. if you have like Othello in Hamlet, he's just like, oh, it's a revenge thing. I can do a revenge thing. It'll take like five seconds, and it's right. like the play's over. Or like if you have Hamlet in like Othello, like Iago comes up and he's like, what are you doing? Like, don't even or, talk or to it's, me. It's yeah. almost like the premise of the the of Doctor Evil's son of Scott Evil saying like, why don't you just shoot him, Dad? It's yeah. like no, no, we have to have this like slowly moving like. Thing down into a shark tank, and I'm gonna like close the door and lock it. It's like just shoot him. Yeah. It's like no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. We need to have it this way. No, and so <laughs> it's a problem of like, oh, these people have been mismatched. Like they've been given the one scenario that they can't overcome. And so I feel like something similar is going on with the, the ladies in these stories. And okay. so uh, it, it's just sort of fun to explore them. Plus, like. I like any opportunity where you can get like a bunch of female named characters to get together and talk about uh, a non-man subject. So, so they interact with one another. Yeah, so, no, so they're Cleopatra and Ophelia. Well, and, mostly I mean, it's or, like the, the teen girls. So okay. it's like so not, no Cleopatra, sadly. She'll, so she'll come back in the sequ- okay. sequel. But yeah, like Juliet, you got Cordelia, you got Ophelia. Uh, everybody's hanging out. Everybody's having a good time. All right. This, this almost <laughs> sounds like... <laughs> Hell this yeah. almost sounds like uh, what was the Sondheim play about the assassins? Was it oh just yeah, assassins. assassins. I think it was just called where they, assassins. Where, yeah, where, where they were all the different assassins, like John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, and everybody's Oswald. got the right to be yeah. happy. Right. <laughs> and it's is it a musical? It's not a musical. It's, it's not it's, a musical. It's, 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 so maybe maybe the sequel. Yeah, maybe, the maybe sequel Cleopatra could be, could be the. Yeah. Like, uh, and so and this is in Arlington, right? Yes, it's Avant Bard. Avant Bard, uh, and and it's free. And so it's, check it out. Oh, it's free. All right. So and and I believe also. Here, here is Facebook again. They're they're everywhere. Yeah, I I, I saw um, that you somebody tweeted at you saying like, "Hey, I heard about your play," and you sent them to fa- the Facebook page yeah. for it. So you could, if you do, I'm av- cross pollinating amongst right. social media platforms. So you know, you could just search uh, Facebook uh, Avant Bard uh, uh, Tragedy Averted yeah. Alexander Petri, and something will come up in that in that vein. So. Uh, Alexandra, thank you so much for coming by this snowy morning. Me. Oh, it's um, very it, snowy. It's not snowy, but it's not uh, death-defyingly cold. I mean, like, no. I mean, your 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 heritage is in Wisconsin. Yeah, I would not want to be there right now. Oh uh, no, no. <laughs> so, but uh, thank you so much for for coming by, and uh, we'll we'll see you around. Yeah. All right. Thanks for having me. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Welcome back uh, to the Bill Press Show. I'm not Bill Press. I'm Jason Dick. Uh, I'm standing in, sitting in, I guess. I, I haven't stood up in, in two hours almost. Uh, for, for Bill Press, uh, he is uh, taking the day off. I think he's just, you know, he's having a, he's having a mojito. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe not at 8.30. I don't it's know. Perfect who weather who for it. I've got all this alcohol-related stuff, like, in front of me, you know, so it's, it's hard, like, with the uh, with Garden and Guns, best new bars of the South. Uh, I am joined this half hour by my friend and colleague, Clyde McGrady, uh, who is also at CQ Roll Call, and he's also the Bill Press Show's senior Georgia correspondent. Clyde, welcome. Hello, everyone. <laughs> the the senior Georgia correspondent gets you and $3 uh, a cup of coffee at Dunkin'. A cup Duncan. of coffee, yeah. <laughs> 
so one one of the things I wanted to 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 talk about a little bit is uh, you you are you're a Georgia native. Yep. Uh, yep. And and there's there's something happening this weekend uh, down in Georgia. Like let's let's talk about that. Uh, is it Comic Con? Yes, it is. It's uh, it, but it's something else. Uh, well, I it's, know it's comic. It's Comic Con for furries. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be so a lot lots of Chewbacca. Of hey, don't talk about know. Rob Ryan that way. <laughs> Speaking of uh, uh, no, Rex Ryan, Rob, Rex Ryan Rex, was the foot fetish guy. Right. Oh, Rob, Rob Ryan, Ryan just is, looks like a yeah, literal he, furry. Yeah, yeah, he looks like Lebowski. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, we got the Super Bowl in yes, your hometown. Yes, the Super Bowl. At, Super at, Bowl 53. 53 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium Part 2. Yes. Uh, you know, the... <laughs> <laughs> Right, because everything the remix. everybody gets a Mercedes Benz sponsorship now. Like uh, you know, Peter's truck is you know is a Mercedes Benz yes. like Dodge truck. That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Like, um, so, I mean, this I, you know, this is not uh, meant to. I'm not trying to strain any kind of metaphor that football is you know this political manifestation and so forth. But this is as close as we get as a to a secular holiday in the United yeah. States. Yeah, uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, and also the the there have been political you know sort of ramifications for for professional football, particularly with the current occupant of the White House. Mm-hmm. He likes to comment about you know people kneeling or not. Uh, I mean, like this is this is the culture now. This is this is the, our world, uh, and football is is a huge, huge, multi billion dollar cultural phenomenon. Not to mention, by the way, the the one of the starting quarterbacks for the Super Bowl, Tom Brady. Uh, is Big a friend. friend of Donald Buddies. Trump. Yeah, yeah. He had yeah. a MAGA hat in his locker. Yeah, and Belichick also, like Bill Belichick, the the coach of the wrote the, him the that letter. Is yeah, he's he's saying he's, you know, I can't believe you stood up to all this, you know, savaging by the press. Because if there's one thing that Donald Trump and Bill Belichick have in common, it's a contempt for the press. It yeah. is. Belichick though just hides it by not talking. You know, right. I mean, he he just doesn't communicate. Yes, of I course. Mean, Donald Trump like wants the respect of the press, whereas right. Bill Belichick doesn't care. It, it is immaterial to him. Absolutely, <laughs> like, he does up, not up. care. He uh, just grumbles in the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there is now, and I think that it's it's like it's such a it's a big deal. What, let's let's talk just a little bit about like. Um, Atlanta's had the Super Bowl before uh, yes. at the Georgia Dome before, yeah. right? I mean, 99. I know, 99. Um, the Falcons were in your your team, the Atlanta Falcons. They were in and they lost to Denver, I believe, right? Is that so? Uh, yeah. No, I'm not trying to rub salt in with. I'm just saying that they were. It was a big deal. You know, they were they were in the Super Bowl. They probably they should have won that year. They probably should have won a couple years ago too. I uh, think they were the under. They were the underdog against the Broncos, and I think they were the underdog against the Patriots. But yeah, as a Falcons fan, I gotta say I was kind of upset about how political that Super Bowl was because, like, it was right after Trump's inauguration, and of course he had the ties to the Patriots because he's you know friends with Bob Kraft and Tom Brady this and the 20, Falcons. Yeah, Twenty seventeen Super Bowl, Falcons, Patriots. Falcons, infamous Super Bowl. Everybody remembers it. But the Falcons kind of got adopted as the team of the resistance. And I was like, that is just too much pressure. <laughs> and we see what happened. Right. I mean. They folded you, like a cheap it, suit. Yeah. And people, people, did you really think that if the Patriots lost the Super Bowl that year, that Donald Trump was going to have a bad day or that I was going <laughs> right. to end his presence? He was just going to wake up and just be just so dejected. He didn't care. Only things he, The only thing he likes about the Patriots is that they win a lot. Right. 
and like they're they're not tired of winning. Yeah, he's you know just like co-opting their brand because they win. That's you, the only thing he cared about. You know who the NFL team of the resistance is? None of them. Yeah, <laughs> none exactly. of them represent the resistance. Okay, all your faves are problematic. Exactly. <laughs> all all that is is that because it's, except Arthur Blank, he's yeah. a saint. Yeah. It, 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 it might be because most of the owners, uh, with with a couple of exceptions here or there, are white male billionaires, kind yeah. of like Donald Trump. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's it is the the he fits the demographic. He got he, a lot of money from yeah. NFL owners. Yes. Yeah, they're Trump. very they're very arrogant. They don't really um, respond much to uh, outside pressure because they're they're like, look, man, this is what a nine a see, nine see ten billion Snyder, dollar Snyder Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> Like they don't care. I, the NFL makes so much money. Right. They don't even think they have to be like innovative with their product. Um, we kind of saw it with like this NFC uh, championship debacle, uh, which I am loving, by the way. <laughs> he is, uh, Saints fans. Yeah. So, so uh, Clyde is a. Uh, I mean, th- this. I forgive him for this. Uh, he he uh, loathes the Saints. So a lot um, of people don't uh, know this. Yeah. The Falcons and the Saints. Uh, or like the Hatfield and Hatfield and McCoys, like we absolutely hate each other. But Just it's not a, in West Virginia. It's a yeah, <laughs> it's an underrated rivalry because for so long both of our franchises were just absolutely irrelevant. But we've had some success recently. Obviously, the Saints have won a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and when we uh, blew that twenty-eight to three lead uh, in the two thousand seventeen Super Bowl, they those Saints fans. Nevertheless, forget it. They actually put up billboards in Atlanta with just twenty-eight to three on it. <laughs> so the, the band, the band came out in formation to twenty-eight to three. So these last two years of the playoffs, watching the Saints get eliminated, have been glorious for me. <laughs> I mean, just absolutely. Two years ago, when they lost to the Vikings, uh, just a quick story. I've like gone to a bar. We have time. Yeah, it doesn't have to be quick. Oh, thanks. I right, take a sip of this coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the uh, bar just to get like a carryout order, like down the street, and it was during the Vikings Saints game, and it was like towards the end, and I'm sitting there and I got my food, and I'm like, I don't want to watch this. There's like, I don't know, 20 seconds left. The Saints are gonna lose. There were Saints fans in the bar, so I'm like, I'm not gonna watch them celebrate this. So I walk home, and then on the way, I like get a text from a buddy, and he's just like, Wow. So I'm like, We usually talk about sports, so I'm like, This has to be related to the game. So I rushed home and I run upstairs and I watch the replay of Stefan Diggs um just catching that miracle touchdown and just the Saints uh fans just their hearts breaking all over the country. <laughs> and and you and, and, you, it, and you loved as it. As if that wasn't enough. Like I loved it. Like that's great to watch them get eliminated. Again, it's not blowing the biggest lead in the Super Bowl. But you know, there was some Schadenfreude. But then this year they were so good, and I cannot tell you the the panic and dread of Falcons fans uh-huh. with the potential of a Patriots Saints Super Bowl in Atlanta because that's what it was looking like. Oh, oh, yeah. And for them to lose the way they did on a blown, on a, compl- on a blown call on a blown pass interference call, yeah. it was a complete injustice. I mean, everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. It's not just losing. Like if they played hard and they came up short, it would have been gratifying. But the fact that it's an injustice and Roger Goodell doesn't even care about it, and they are no. protesting this thing. Well, and it was even in court, like a court. Threw yeah, it like out. a guy like sued and everything, and Roger Goodell just like didn't care. And I mean, I want 
any Saints fans listening to this, I'll, I'll please listen to my words very carefully. You will never get over this, <laughs> ever. And I can't explain to you how much joy your pain brings to me personally. I wanted to bottle that feeling, watching them lose, watching that field goal get kicked, and just save it for like a bad day. <laughs> that's yeah. that's some serious football like re- it's cold, revenge rainy politics. Outside. Oh, here's this extra storage of that uh, Saints terrible loss. I, I, I will say take a little sip of that, <laughs> feel better. I will say I think that uh, Saints fans got absolutely robbed. They did. I know, right? They did. They I know. Did. They- <laughs> Right? <laughs> Look at how happy he is. This is Rob. This Saints is Saints got absolutely robbed. However, if if Saints fan had gone to Atlanta for the Super Bowl, that would have been bad. I mean, that would have been bad for the. I mean, that would have been like Sherman on Atlanta. Like it would have been bad for Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, there would have been some Waffle House uh, three a.m. <laughs> uh, there would have been some scraps there. Yeah. So uh, what? And th- this is interesting. You, m- you mentioned the billboard thing, like the, the uh-huh. twenty-eight three in the billboards, and then there's this guy in in New Orleans who has who has also bought some billboards. You know, like. And I forget what they say, but it's about it's the, like being we were robbed, robbed or Goodell's yeah, like an idiot or something like that. Yeah, and and I'm and I'm like, is this? I mean, this seems to be not a great use of money. I mean, no. I mean, I, I mean, maybe that's just somebody who has more money than I can imagine. But I mean, you know, it's like thousands of dollars to rent out one of these billboards throughout right. such so you know a super Super Bowl week. So yeah, it's just a terrible use of resources, <laughs> and it will not correct the injustice that was inflicted upon them. But, you know, best of luck uh, to this guy. I don't know. I just, I'm just not confident they'll ever get over it. I mean, who knows how they're going to top themselves uh, in the playoffs next year. I can't, I can't wait to see it. I, I mean, their window might be closing, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, they are getting older. I mean, Drew Brees is amazing, but he's not getting younger. And, right. you know, I mean, the window's closed. Just ask the Nationals. You know, like that, that game, yeah. game five, you know, in 2012, that's – that's the dagger, the disemboweling of the Washington National fan. Like every, you, you don't ever get over it. It's true. And every time, I like just a young team, you said that still. <laughs> <laughs> every time a young team like goes to the Super Bowl or wins the Super Bowl, it's like, well, do they have the makings of a dynasty? And it's like, probably not. I mean, look at the Seahawks. Ask Dan Marino. Yeah, ask Dan Marino. <laughs> right. And I kind of like tweeted that about uh, Chiefs fans. I was like, don't worry, guys. Your young phenom quarterback. We'll have plenty of cracks at this, <laughs> just like Dan Marino did. I mean, there are, there are no guarantees, man. I mean, look at the Seahawks, right? They were young, young team, great defense, great quarterback. They went to two straight Super Bowls, yep. but, I mean, you know, Daryl Bevel calls the pass, and, like, that's the end, you yep. know? Uh, Legion of Boom gets hurt. Richard Sherman tears his Achilles. You know, who, who broke their leg? Like Earl Thomas? What you, or I, one year, like Cam Chancellor, like broke his leg. I mean, no, Earl Thomas. Out. I mean, happens. Look at the yeah. look at the Panthers. You keep it in yeah. the South, right? Yeah. The, Cam Newton had Cam a shot Newton's at the shoulder. Super Bowl, who knows? I kept thinking to myself, happen. oh, they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna be dominant for years to come. I haven't heard from them in years. So if somebody is, I mean, you know, there. This was one of the things in the shutdown is that like how like we can't have a shutdown with 
you know, 150,000 people coming to Atlanta for, for the Super Bowl. I mean, right. like, it's just, it's not, not a good idea to have a bunch of unpaid, pissed off TSA agents and, and uh, so, U.S. Yeah. Marshals and whoever else keeps the peace down there. Uh, so that we're we're over that. So people can just enjoy the game or enjoy the you know the, the media circus and so forth. Mm-hmm. What should they do as a as a as a as a Georgian? Uh, and we'll get to some of the other political stuff too. We haven't even broached Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. uh, in in her role in the Super Bowl of politics a little bit later uh, th- this week. Uh, but what should they do when they go to Atlanta? Just to I mean, like the what's the nutshell? Like this is this is what you do when you when you go to uh, to Atlanta. So I guess when you land. At Hartsville, you step out to the you know cab or you take the MARTA. But if you're like calling an Uber or get a cab, just uh, tell them to go straight to the Waffle House. And any, that's wa- any, any Waffle House will do. Any Waffle House, any Waffle House will do. Maybe the one in College Park near the airport, but just really any Waffle House. Um, later Amen. on that night, maybe go to Magic City. I don't know what your Magic City is the. Oh, it's an adult entertainment. Uh, <laughs> now this is where this is where Ray Lewis got into a little bit of a was that a little tro- well, it, it was it, a parking lot. It was, it was a, one of those. It was clubs, outside those, the Ying of Yang a, Twins. Yeah, actually, you know what? Just listen to any like Ying Yang Twin songs and whatever clubs or bars they mention. Just go to those. Just go to those. So yeah. this is like the soundtrack. Yeah. You know. All right. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, go to, like, I, I, I think people are taking this. They're, they're probably taking notes take right notes. now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you can't make it to Magic City, go to Claremont Lounge, of course. Yes. <laughs> there we go. See? Like, uh, Busy Bee Cafe is a great place to eat if you uh-huh. like soul food. Um, where else? Where else did you go? The var- I guess you got to try the, var- I, the Varsity. I was about to say the Varsity. Fan. I'm not a huge fan either, but it's you got to go to that thing. But it's right? like a landmark. Yeah, it's kind of like I mean, it's a so this for the for people who haven't been there, this is a, a burger place, a burger right. shakes, fries, and it's, I mean, it 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 has the same kind of place I think for for a lot of people in Atlanta in that area as, as like say, Ben's Chili Bowl does for DC, right? I mean, yes. that's a, so I mean, it's 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 like it's not that it's like this incredible, amazing you know plate of food, yeah. although it's not bad, um, but it but it's just a thing. It's just a right. thing to see there. So, um, all right. So let's and get ready because yeah. they they really only ask you what you want to eat in one way, right? And you know what it is. What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Uh, fun fact: My dad worked at the varsity for oh. about five hours uh, in his twenties, <laughs> and said he just couldn't do it. This is not funny. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's a couple of RCs too, right? I mean, there, there's the there's the mothership, and isn't there like a satellite now or something like that? Like, well, there's one in Athens. Athens. Okay. I mean, there really is only one varsity, right? Yeah, but if you're like, if you, if, if, uh, I don't know. I guess if you're there for a couple of days, and I know, I know some people who went down like yesterday mm-hmm. just to get like the full weekend. I mean, Athens isn't that far away, and if you need a break from Atlanta, you can go up there. I mean, there's there's a there's a few you know a few good music venues in that in Athens. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, this is where you know REM, Drive By Truckers, B fifty twos. I mean, a like, weird. Like monopoly, yeah, yeah, of uh, of of music comes from. So switching gears to sort of the political universe, Georgia uh, is uh, you know it was uh, how had one of the most you know the closest and most interesting gubernatorial races mm-hmm. uh, uh, last year. 
uh, Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. And, you know, it, it the Democrats poured a lot of money into it, thinking mm-hmm. that they could, you know, get back into power after being shut out for 20 years or something like that. Roy Barnes, I think, was the last Democrat elected uh, governor. Yeah, I think you know? he, Roy, Roy Barnes lost in 2002. 2002. Yeah, um, so. And, uh, and you know, th- and talk about a different era, you know. <laughs> like, I mean, Georgia is slightly different place uh, yeah. than, than it was in, two, in 2002. Um, and, and Abrams, you know, is this like, you know, she was a state House minority leader, a black woman. Uh, Kemp is like a sort of down the line, like white male Republican roundup immigrants, you know, and, and like, let's like pass restrictive voting laws. I mean, like the, the contrast couldn't have been more clear. Uh, Kemp won uh, very narrowly. I think um, about a point and a half. Yeah, something like that. And and really, Abrams, I mean, obviously, I'm sure the Democrats would have preferred that she win uh, right. the, 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 the gubernatorial race. But she has become kind of this. Uh, she has arrived as a as a fixture in the Democratic Party, and she'll be uh, providing the response to the State of the Union uh, to Donald Trump's State of the Union on Tuesday. And my question to you is: I mean, as a Georgian, are, are like, that's great, but it also has some perils, you know? <laughs> well, when I heard that, when I heard like Chuck, uh, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer had uh, asked her to do it, I was like. Why? Why is he trying to end her political <laughs> career before it really gets started? Right. Why is he doing this to her? Right. Is there any profit in in doing the State of the Union response? One. Does anybody watch it? They only mm. watch like if you screw up, if you drink too much water, like Marco Rubio, or yeah, or if you just look, kind of look like a like Bobby Jindal. Bobby you know, Jindal. Uh, Bobby Jindal, of... I think, is the best example well. of how <laughs> you can kill your political career by giving a State of the Union response. I mean, to be fair, he did like. Mercilessly purge people from like Medicaid rolls too, so that <laughs> that, that probably that, helped. That probably <laughs> didn't help. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, no. He tried to uh, make sure that people didn't have health insurance. So well, like you know, I mean, look, this is a great way to introduce young political right. talent to the rest of the world, right? And it right. almost never works. And it never, ever, ever mm-hmm. works. I mean, Bill it's Clinton so is the one person I can think of that actually saved his career did, after who, Bill Clinton. Bill, Bill Clinton, Clinton gave yeah. a disastrous response right. uh, to a State of the Union one year, and he managed to. Cobble it back together, and, and, a, and a disastrous uh, keynote speech at the at the <laughs> Democratic that. convention in, yeah. in uh, 1988. You know, people clapped yeah. when he said, "In conclusion, yeah. they're rapping, they're like, yay!" <laughs> Actually, amazing. you know, if you, I've, I have watched that speech, and it's it's not a good speech. Mm-hmm. Like very few of these keynotes are. Like Obama's is like a, a, an exception, I think, to that. Um, most of these speeches are are right from the cut from the same cloth. Um, but Clinton's is not that bad. It's yeah. not that poorly paced. Um, it, it just seemed like it just, I mean, after Jesse Jackson and Ann Richards and all these people, yeah. he just looked pale in comparison to any kind of, you know, like they, they had such, you know, passionate, like awesome speeches. And then he just kind of droned on it. I think Jesse's probably, probably number one for me. Well, yeah. they, I, under, I understand <laughs> like that refrain that he keeps going back. I mean, he's a, Southern preacher, so he knows how to. Well, he had that thing like uh, keep out the bushes, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Um, Oh yeah, but it's it's yeah, it's such a thankless, thankless task. It's kind of like being like vice president, though, right? Everybody says it's like (laughs) the worst job, but people will you know claw and scrape line up to be because of the possibilities that you know can come from it. Everybody says, I guess, well, you know, I'll be different at this. I was just looking. Uh, somebody tweeted out just the list of like 
the eight Republican responders during uh, the Obama administration, and it was like, like a who's who of like where are they now, man? It was. <laughs> I like that who's who of where are they now? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, Michelle Bachman did it once, right? Or was she? I think the, she, she did the Tea Party. She was response. the Tea Party response, and she, she was, was like, looking at the wrong right. camera. She was yeah. looking at the wrong. She was like off like this, and people were like, "What's she looking at?" Oh like, my god, I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah, the last three. Interestingly enough, I was just you know kind of looking at the demographics of like those eight, and the <clears throat> the last time it was just a white guy was 2012, which was I think it was Mitch Daniels, but since then it was Rubio. Uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers, uh, Joni Ernst, uh, Nikki Haley, mm-hmm. which is interesting because, you know, the Re- Republican Party is out. It's, you know, it's mainly mm-hmm. white dudes, but that's <clears throat> who a party, sorry, <clears throat> who a party puts out to right. give the speeches like they're trying to send a message about, right. like, who they are. And it's also aspirational, right. I think. It's like yeah, and, and, be. And, and that's obviously where the Democrats are going right. with Abrams. It's like, Here's this person who, you know, this is the future of the party. I mean, like, like we are, we are, in, we're inclusive in a way that that Trump and the GOP is. That's the, that's the message that they want to send. Um, and and we're not we're not afraid to you know to have a strong woman there. We're not afraid to have a strong black woman out there. I mean, and it's, you know, I just wonder is one does anybody pay attention? I mean, like the the ratings, you know, for for Trump last year were like forty five million people, like watched it live. I can't imagine that people. There were that many people actually watching it, <laughs> and then and then the drop off of the State of the Union. I imagine the selection is probably a bigger deal than that actual speech yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, kind of like but we'll a- see. I mean, it, I think it's more than um, more than identity, possibly because she's like a big mm-hmm. voting rights advocate. Like she's got a commercial. She's got I think a thirty second spot that's going to air. Mm-hmm. In Georgia during the Super Bowl with her um, her voting rights group, um, is she? I wonder if she's well. Be actually, in it's going to be a bipartisan. She's teaming up with a Republican, and they're talking about um, uh, voter access. So I'm not sure if it's her group actually, but she has a group, mm-hmm. and she is even before 